0: You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Laws Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code Silicon. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or DieShrink Shrink for 3 percent off everything else on the website. All right, now let's get on with the show. In silicon a gaming hardware podcast i am your host tom and today i'm joined by someone who's i'm hoping going to make it easy to start transitioning back into talking more about an entire section of the gaming hardware market that i feel like this channel is kind of just ignored last year because i mean there was like a new graphics card architecture or cpu architecture or something else launching to pc gaming it felt like almost every month last gen i mean it was it was absolutely ridiculous so i feel like i've kind of ignored console hardware um and i know that there should be some interesting releases coming out um this year including one that's coming out when this podcast drops but please introduce yourself guest Hi yeah it's uh, Michael from NX Gamer thanks for having
1: me on Tom it's good to be back on your chat it's uh, it's been a while since we last spoke but like you say you're uh, you're very focused on the PC hardware and I'm probably far more focused on the console area so yeah thanks
0: for inviting me it's great to be back you know i would say it really shouldn't matter like i saw i recently watched your dead space remake uh analysis like performance analysis video and you really Got into like what's causing some of the visual artifacts on multiple platforms, including PC. And and like, kind of, am I wrong? I, I hope I'm not misremembering. You kind of like proved that variable rate shading is kind of a redundant feature once you tack on a million other pieces of resolution, variance, and upscale tech. It actually just makes it look worse. And that was the issue in that game, whether on PC or console, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean,
1: fundamentally, they're both kind of the same solution. So DLSS, FSR, they're all kind of reconstructed images from a lower base to try and reduce the, the fill rate, the pixel bandwidth, just everything about the image quality and shading quality is very expensive on the GPU. So by using that, you're just Having that data reconstructed from previous frames, therefore, it's much cheaper on RAM, it's much cheaper on bandwidth, it's much cheaper on, on throughput. If you start st- stacking on top um, VRS, which is just another version of that, it just basically reduces the shader um, complexity in the grid. So 2 by 2 4 by 4 you're doing two things at once. Then you've got dynamic resolution scaling on top of that. So at every frame you're getting a very mm. variable rate of input to use from the previous frame to reconstruct to an end at the output, and it just looks terrible. Um that said, I totally get why the team did it. I think they were just working to a very tight deadline. They pushed it into February because they had no choice because they wanted to hit December. They couldn't do it. And I think it was a case of they just had their their targets to hit. They would have had a triage to get stuff out the door, and they would have said, you know what, VRS, start game. People aren't going to notice it. We'll do that in the next patch come day one or just after. Um, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. they missed it. Because, I mean, even to the point where my review code, right up until the day of launch, it was unlocked on PS5 and Series X. It was running... Uh, up to 60 fps in the road tracing mode but they capped that right on the day so they definitely had delivery issues but yeah it's a weird one to miss because those two technologies stacked on top of each other just it's going to be very hard to play nice and really vrs is is really in my opinion designed well it was designed from the get-go to work for vr that's that's what it's there for doesn't quite work as well on a flat
0: screen when you've got the whole visible screen in front of your eyeballs it can stand out which that game did yeah and it's and watching that video made me realize just you know i think a lot of people think that any new piece of tech is going to be a silver bullet that always makes everything look better whether it's dlss fsr um, dynamic resolution variable rate shading i think the holy grail is and we're going to get some game engines that can take like five of these or six of these different things into account and then per scene per frame choose the right combination but turning them all on at once doesn't just work, right? And sometimes there's a reason devs choose to use FSR or DLSS, but not use dynamic res. Or And you've seen some pushback from some devs where they're like, yeah, actually, I don't think we need v- uh, FSR. Dynamic resolution works well. And we think it actually looks better if we just use that. I think this game proved that they might not be blind, right? That sometimes you might just want one or the other within the constraints of the amount of time they have to make the game and make it look good enough for a deadline, right? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, engine by engine, art by art, there's a lot of
1: factors that take into account what you're doing at the rendering stage. I mean, you could be doing anything. Dynamic resolution is, is very hard just as a base to put into a game because if you've got multiple buffers being generated, which everyone has, you know, alpha effects, particles, transparencies, all these things can have a knock-on effect when you're dynamically scaling things all over the place. It's, it's why TAEU works in Unreal Engine 4 and 5 and why people will use it because that engine kind of takes care of a lot of that effort for you or at least you can put it in a fixed pipeline at that stage that's well known and you've got all the support behind you but even that said if you're using things like ray tracing which again has got some accumulation going on in terms of reconstructing the image with a the filter then dynamic resolution scaling is going to affect that as well so there's definitely a case-by-case, game-by-game basis, and really only the dev-, the dev knows what the best choice is. And as you quite rightly say, sometimes dynamic resolution scaling is a better solution than FSR, and only mm-hmm. the dev would really know that. And it's, it's, like you say, it's naive to think that one solution is going to fix everything. Is it, but I think some of that comes down to these white papers and presentations where... Developers will always show you the best case scenario because they have to, plus it's always part of the pipeline. So they'll say things mm-hmm. like, you know, VRS can give us 20% performance improvement, it, it, but they don't add in a specific case scenario that we've just done by whacking everything up to full rate and therefore we're getting all this benefit back because we're running our buffers at 4K, which we don't normally do, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's always bits and pieces within a pipeline that give performance back and everyone runs around with it. It's like, it's like mesh shaders and things like that. There's a, mm-hmm. a benefit... That's the most effective benefits. It's like, that's why the geometry engine, in the PS5, is so popular. Well, um, it's so potentially powerful in the system because it's the best way to do it. Which is why draw something, eject it as early as you can in the pipeline. There's no better optimization than that. If you can't see it, don't draw it. VRS mm-hmm. is kind of too late. It's right at the end. It's saying when you've drawn it all, actually just smudge it a bit, and that doesn't save you anywhere near as much.
0: So it's you've got to pick your poison, and sometimes you you know you can't have them all. You know, that, that's interesting you say that. I don't think I've actually... I had on a developer who has a lot of experience like analyzing, talking about, and really like deconstructing what's going on in the pipelines of a lot of graphics architectures. And we've talked about variable rate shading before. i also talked to a source that works um, at AMD and has touched these consoles and told me that, you know, for some reason, a... a Sony decided to go a certain way with its geometry engine, whereas Microsoft with the Xbox Series X decided to go with, you know, just really optimizing for a a special version of variable rate shading. And and I remember talking to one AMD engineer and being like, why is Sony doing that, though? They've taken these next-gen features and they've really tweaked and optimized these ones above standard RDNA 2. Why would they... Why is Microsoft focusing so much on VRS and Sony doesn't seem as interested? And he, he wasn't that sure, but it sounds like you actually have an opinion as to why that isn't. The only thing that AMD engineer could say, by the way, is maybe it just seems like something that can get in the way and streamlining the development of a game. And Sony thinks this is just do this well. A lot of the times you just don't want to give them extra work to do to like get performance back at the end. Is is that is that true then? You think that seems to be panning out in a lot of games? I think, I mean, I don't know. So
1: I don't know the ins and outs of sure. I
0: mean, I've never even seen PS5. But I'm interested to get another opinion on this, though, right? Because I've gotten like two opinions and a third one's, so, you know, always great. Yeah, no, I, I, my, so my
1: opinion is absolutely. So Sony are, are not new to this. And I'm not, you know, b- burst anyone's bubble by saying they're better at this console game than, than Microsoft are and ever will be. That's not an unknown. That's just the reality of it. They invest more. They have a vested interest in it. They have the biggest market share. They've got a vested interest to, to make their platform the best. And that platform isn't just the hardware. It's the mm-hmm. entire SDK. They've always had that from day one. I mean, some of it was from, from the Sega Mega Drive days. They they learned from, from them, certainly from the Dreamcast days and vice versa. But they embraced Giving the developers what they want, and like you quite rightly said, making the job easier. That's what Sony do first and foremost. And sometimes that isn't about giving everyone really powerful tools. It's about giving people efficiency. And developers don't want to spend ages factorizing things for certain hardware. Microsoft's view is very different, and this is always Mm. the case like PC. Microsoft want a, a flat hardware agnostic platform that allows them to ship multiple titles across multiple pieces of hardware with a minimal amount of software layer for the developer, DirectX. So that's what they've got. So the the reason they took VRS is because it was part of DirectX 12U. There's all marketing and all that stuff that's tied up in that as well with other manufacturers, both NVIDIA uh, and AMD, and even Intel to some extent, So that's always part and parcel of what Xbox are doing. They're hedging their bets. PlayStation don't have that. So PlayStation are still the one true console, so to speak, as we all know it and love it back in the day, in the fact that it's a single platform, fixed function, that does one thing, play games, that's it. So they Mm -hmm. can optimise everything in their pipeline, not just the hardware, but the software development kit, the entire environment that the games are built in, the compiler, everything. All of that can be factorised into exactly what it needs to do well. Um, and just looking at games and going from speaking to some developers and information that's what's well known, the PlayStation 5 pushes far more geometry than the, than the Series X just because of the, how, how that pipeline works. And some of that will be down to the fact that it doesn't draw things. It
0: doesn't have to, but you don't see it. And this, whereas the Series X will. And that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the things. And then it uses like VRS at the end to try to scrape back performance, right?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly that. Well, you know, if you if you're mm-hmm. just a bit shy, if you can grab ten percent, then ten percent matters. Um, but in reality, you're not really going to see it. So, it's a quick fix, just like resolution scaling is. It's it's a it's usually the last resort to get things out. I mean, you, you can you've seen it now in titles that come out all the time. Um, you have performance issues and then three months later or two months later, you get huge performance boosts and everyone's wowed. But it's because the, that's the point when they hit the optimization stage. And that's things where they'll just go in and say, do you know what we're running for full res alpha effects and these just drop them to quarter res and we'll just put some smoothing filter over the top. You'll never notice it. It's almost impossible to see, but you can gain back like 30% in certain the scenarios. It's things like that where Games are factored on the hardware to to run that little bit better, which you can do easier on console because it's fixed hardware. But things like VRS, things like FSR, things like DLSS, they're all all in heavy demand because it's the final stage of a game. And it's like, what do I do? Do I wait
0: another two months and optimize it or do I ship Mm -hmm. it now and use FSR? So you're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I do think it's also worth pointing out, and I feel like this always comes up at least once when I compare the Series X and the PlayStation 5. Uh, I actually had someone on Broken Silicon who was an Xbox Series X server developer who worked on the server aspects of that APU, that the Xbox Series X was built to be used in servers as well, and so has... it's built a certain way so that it literally can be used for more than just gaming on a single platform, right? Like there's a reason it's a bit of a bigger die that can allow for more RAM and bandwidth and has all of these checkbox features that you would want and something you're going to use for more than just gaming on a single box at home. Whereas Sony doesn't think about that and Microsoft wants to use it for all these different things if they're going to spend millions of dollars developing this platform, right? I mean, Mm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's that, that's the difference of the business model. You know, they've got a very different demand and Microsoft is pushing very hard. Again, vested interests. They've got their finger and eye on cloud gaming. That's what they mm-hmm. want to be. That's what they've always been. They've always been a software solution, not a hardware solution. So their main end, their end game is to get everything over there. So the fact that Series X can, you know, it's not a coincidence. That Series X can run four instances of an Xbox One title. There you go. That's why that's why the server build exists, because the APU can be dropped into a multi-stacked motherboard in a server rack, in a data center, and all of a sudden you've got a very cheap solution that gives you multiple instances of cloud gaming. The software layers around that as well, but as you say, the APU itself
0: will fundamentally deliver that functionality, because it's been designed from the get-go to do it, so that makes sense. So, all right, I want to jump into this reader mail here. Zebito 3 writes, and it says, Greetings, Tom and NX Gamer. What do you think of modern console pricing when compared to PCs? And do you think that console pricing will go up, stay the same, or go down over the next two years? Oof, uh, it depends. If it's if it's Xbox, it's going to go up because th-
1: that's bound to happen. Um, Sony did it first. Xbox will do it next because the dollar's not doing great at the moment. So, or at least other currencies are getting better again. So, I think the dollar mm-hmm. is going to affect them. So, yeah, I think I think Series X and Series S are going to go up. It's just a question of which countries and when um i don't think the playstation 5 will go up again i think what sony did they knew they had to and they put you know a a significant amount in real terms to the individual but quite small in the in the great scheme of the hardware but they did it enough so that if it goes up or down um they at least don't have that risk to have to do it again unless things go drastically wrong inflation shouldn't go up to the level where they need to bump it again so i don't think the ps5 will go up and in fact there is a very good chance that You know the ps5 slim or whatever it's called when it comes out could Mm -hmm. be the old price um that could be a target that they're going for we'll see because there's definitely some some costs
0: and you're not talking just about the us right when you say prices go up you're like well you're not correct me if i'm wrong uh, i believe you're saying you're not doubling down for what necessarily happen in the us or in every country at the same time but there have been price adjustments in some countries even if they haven't officially happened in the us yet right
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think the U S is going to be the one that gets hit the least because it's such a big market for both of them. Um, and I don't think it'd be one if it hits the U.S., I think it'll be series X that, that does it first. I don't see Sony doing it, but to be in in reality, I don't see either of them increase the price
0: in the U S outside of the U S. yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me see here. I, We've already talked about like optimizing like that Dead Space remake. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we get into talking about like future console and PC gaming hardware is one subject that came up a lot when I looked at the last time you were on about a year ago was how eventually things are going to pop up in ports of PC games that th- the uh, eventually the fact that they have they don't require an SSD. Uh, that's as fast as the xbox and certainly not as fast as the playstation 5 and you know eventually like the fact that you have so many different architectures on pc like just thinking about like how radically different pascal turing ampere slash lovelace and then gcn rdna 1 and 2 and now rdna 3 you've got six and now we have intel graphics <laughs> we have, we have radically different graphics architectures they're all trying to program for on PC. Most PC games still don't require a solid state drive. If they do, they don't really require it to probably be as fast as it should be. And I remember us talking about um, how eventually that might rear its ugly head um, and that eventually you might get these games that have weird performance in certain scenarios that isn't just, you that can't just be solved by a faster CPU or GPU. Would you say any of the recent releases we've seen, and I I say this because a developer contact of mine pointed this out to me, that he had an unpopular opinion, he thought it would be unpopular, at least if he said it on a show, that a lot of the recent bad ports are a result of devs building games for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X that have a certain minimum speed SSD, minimum amount of threads, and are easy to program for like one model and that it's not always because it was a bad port. And I have to say that I don't like subscribing to this argument blindly, but a similar thing has popped up where if you don't have a really fast SSD and CPU, when you go to a new area and a lot of recent releases, they're stuttering. doesn't matter if you have a 4090 and Zen 4, there's still stuttering. Like how much of this do you think is, a result of maybe not enough optimization for recent releases? And how much of this do you think is perhaps devs should just be saying this game really does need like a fast SSD and, you know, a certain amount of RAM uh, because they've been programming for this type of buffer and SSD speed for years now for the next gen consoles um well i've said this before i said before
1: the console came out yeah absolutely it's that i mean the end of the day when you're making one of the things i mentioned years ago when i did the ps5 video on my channel i said that the, the biggest problem that people can't understand is is what sony were building for and then so and microsoft have done as well is they've built consoles designed to generate and push 4k assets now, the, a lot of the last gen, ignore the Pro and the and the Xbox One X, there were still generally 4K resolutions at best, but 1080p assets. They weren't genuine 4K mm. textured, you know, authored assets. What we're doing now is we're not only pushing, they're pushing that out the door, but they're also ramping up the effects, the lighting, even ray tracing, all of that. I mean, ray tracing and BVHs is a huge amount of data. So what you've got now is exactly as you say, a lot of data pushing through the system. And the architecture differences between a console and a PC is vast. So GPU, separate pools of RAM, uh, down the PCI Express, you're basically handling multiple heaps and buffers, and you're having to copy back and forth. So what you're seeing now is when people say bad PC ports, they do mean optimization. So um, no one inherently wants to make a bad port. And at the end of the day, the argument flips. I see this all the time, and it's been a a constant argument, which is these consoles are just like PCs until there's a bad PC port, and then it's a bad PC port. Well, if they're just like PCs, why is it bad? Um, And that's because the architecture is different. I've been saying it for years. People seem seem to ignore it. And it's the fact that you can't have a an ssd that can ship let, let's say it's pushing I, it, I mean the actual throughput isn't the problem it's the access it's the it's the fact that it doesn't need to keep that data in ram so mm-hmm. if we take a ps5 which is the best of the of, of both consoles in doing this because that's what it's inherently designed to do then for it to take data off an ssd into ram onto the screen for you to see it it does all of that effectively without having to touch the cpu so mm-hmm. all of that work is done off chip it's, it's compressed anyway with, you know, bespoke compression, which is using the Kraken system, which you can't do on PC because you can't, you can't agree that everyone's going to have it. So that's not possible. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing it's got better compression tech uh, assets running through. And that's not new. The Dreamcast did that. Um, and then when you get to the hardware, it's got one one pool of RAM to worry about, not two. So the CPU and GPU can access the same pool of RAM. So it's just SSD to Deus. That's cut the whole point out where you're copying it from SSD to system RAM on PC, then system RAM over to GPU. Look at that. You, you've got four times the amount of data throughput there. And then on top of that, you've got to decompress all that using your CPU. And your CPU is busy running the game. So this is why you see games like Spider-Man, where you turn on ray tracing. It's hammering even the best CPUs you can get in PC space that cost a £1,000, and it's but they're barely running the game faster than a 60fps PS5 version because that CPU is having to do all this additional work, and it's also stalling on data because it's waiting for it to get from the SSD into RAM. So all you're going to see is, as you say, people are going to say, you need to have a certain amount of SSD, and you're going to need a lot more system RAM. But I said this four years ago. This was gonna happen. This is what and this always happened. You know, architecture and PC has to update and it's gonna put more pressure on the PC. We're just entering the direct storage. I mean, I covered for spoken, and that's kind of got carried away. For spoken doesn't do anything clever, it's not really copying the asset. I mean, the demo that came out, people went mad on it saying it took less than a second to copy data. Most of that's in system RAM. It's not mm-hmm. a genuine copy. The biggest problem is when you use for spoken as an example. Move the camera when you set things to 4K on a best PC you can get and the game will drop 30%, 40% of its performance because the game is designed specifically around the PS5 and as Mark Cerny quite clearly called out when he did the demonstration, they've designed it so that you can have the, all the data you need in RAM and a viewport and by the time you turn turn the camera 90 degrees, you've reloaded that next viewport in. PC can't keep up with that, not, not
0: current spec. So you're going to get what you get, which is stutters. Well, and it's funny, too, you brought up Spider-Man. I'm just, while you were talking there, I was pulling up a graph here. Of course, now by now we have Zen 4 and Raptor Lake, and soon Zen 4 with V-cache, uh coming out, Ooh. which will probably get it to decent 120 hertz locked gaming <laughs> or higher on PC. But a year ago or so, you had the 5800X3D just rocket up performance by like, you know, by a, a ridiculous amount, even in 4K, where you would think it would matter as much as 1080p. And you mentioned accessing data. Isn't it interesting that the CPU that seems to mostly solve the issue in Spider-Man is the one with a ton of cash that makes it easier to access the data, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and let's be honest,
1: Spider-Man is probably one of the most optimized games you will ever see on PC. Because mm-hmm. Insomniac are absolutely technical leaders in that sense, so there's, th- that port is not bad. That port is no way bad in, in any way, shape, or form, and it's been ported by an incredibly talented studio itself. So Nixies know what they're doing. I mean, I've known them for, for, since the in European demo scene. So they—they're not an an incompetent team. So you've got probably the best two teams working on technology and. It, the, they didn't give you a bad port they gave you the, the exact opposite of that and like you say the 5800x just destroys it because it i hate that saying That's not really charged for a set but what i mean is it, it does such a good job in pushing the data through and that's because it's as you say it's designed to keep data local on cache and that keeps that bandwidth request down and therefore you get better performance it, you will end up in the, in the next year you know with with Potentially double the performance of the PS5, but it's the it's the cost difference that there's a huge mm-hmm. cost difference there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so and I think you may have said it, but like, what do you think the solution is then for PC? Do you think there's a lot of games here where, like, let me let me see if I can pull this up for spoken minimum requirements for PC? I think, like, do you, yeah, sixteen. Do you think more games should like? do you think they're kind of like moving things around to try to still support 16 gigabytes of system Ram and like eight gigabyte graphics cards and like a SATA SSD. Do you think that they should be requiring like an NVMe 3.0 SSD above a certain speed? And that should be in the minimum requirements. They should say, Hey, honestly, if you want to avoid stutters, there should be 32 gigabytes of system Ram. Like, is that probably the solution? And if that happened, that would pretty much patch it up. Or what do you think? I- I- I think it'll go there, um, but I think it's a very dangerous game. The market is part of it
1: you got to keep in mind, which is the fact that they don't want to alienate a huge portion of the PC market. Can be very volatile. They'll literally boycott a game because it's stupid. It's stupid requirements, but it, it's going to happen, and it's already happening. You've got the minimum requirements, which people are you know getting up in arms about. In a lot of games, for spoken as a good example, Dead Space, um, Hogwarts Legacy. That was another one that's got quite heavy demands on PC, all for the same reasons. And in fact, that doesn't run very well on the Xbox. I've been been looking at it recently. I've been covering it recently, and Mm -hmm. it it runs quite bad on the Xbox, and it runs okay on the PS5. There's certainly some Mm -hmm. issues there. um, But that's a good example of what's easier to shift. I think on PC, it's going to end up – the quickest fixes are more system RAM because then you can fill it up and copy it across quicker, so you're cutting out a lot of the work. But in reality, it really hangs on – them getting the direct storage working that uses GPU decompression in a more efficient way. That's where they're mm-hmm. going to have to move to. So you've got both chicken and egg here. You need some software, some hardware. But I'd say in two years' time, yeah, you're not going to get away without an NVMe drive of at least 3.0, and you're not going to get away with running 4K titles with less than 32 gigabytes of system RAM. And, and I would say, 16 to 20 gigabytes of vram because remember you, you you'd always need more on pc to match a console in space because it's just less efficient
0: yeah and it's funny you say that because i remember you know i think the first time you were on was in mid 2020 and we talked about you know what's going to happen this year next year and the following years and this was all next to a lot of people you know a, both asking before you came on, but especially afterwards, oh, well, you know, since it was 2020, they're like, should I go buy a 16-core 3950X and, you know, 64 gigabytes of RAM, and should I spend $300 on the fastest SSD I can get right now? And the advice I consistently gave was absolutely not. We can't find any games on PC right now where that makes any difference whatsoever save your money now build what you need to have now and it'll probably be fine for five years but just understand that halfway through this console generation you're probably not gonna be gaming at 120 frames as easily anymore but by then the stuff that matches the console is going to be half the price that's when you can buy the next gen stuff but there's always going to be a point where you need to do that and i wouldn't buy it early And there's always what there always was going to be an awkward year where it's kind of all over the place as things stabilize and how they solve these problems on PC without hopefully making you buy a $5,000 PC, (laughs) you know, and and I saw people talking about this recently with Forspoken Hogwarts Legacy on on the recent, uh, the previous broken silicon, someone asked, you know, is 12 gigabytes going to let me play 4k ultra? Uh, most of the time, moving forward, and I, I said, you know, twelve gigabytes is always kind of a mid-range VRAM buffer for the past three years. I, just because NVIDIA just decided to give the 3080 ten gigabytes doesn't mean they didn't. They that was always going to be enough. Like it is what it is, and you know, we said you didn't need to upgrade early, but it's 2023, right? Like we're three years into the console gen. We said three years ago there's going to be an awkward year, and that's when you should consider upgrading. And I mean, we're here right? Like three years, man, time flies. Absolutely.
1: Couldn't agree you more. Yeah. This is it. I mean, everyone's got an extra year. I think that the pandemic has caused mm-hmm. people to have developers have missed the boat. There's been late delayed games, but this year there's going to be a lot, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out and it's starting to happen now. You can see it. In fact, the last three or four releases on PC have all had the same issue. Um, at first everyone goes on about direct 12 stutter. That was never the issue. And in some ways, I think I was a marketing ploy to keep the noise away from from the console PC divide. DX12 Mm -hmm. is an issue um, in terms of how it it handles shaders or literally in how it hands the power back or the the effort back to the developer. It's not quite as um, controlling for you in terms of state control, so a lot of that work causes this in terms of shader compilation, but also the fact that you're now creating all these these shaders, which is a, a specific code compilation that has to be done dynamically per GPU that puts a lot of pressure on the developer. So they've they've basically got to play the entire game, get all the way through it, and render every single shader up front, and then give you that cache locally so that all of that is pre-built before you get to that stage of doing it. There are games that have it. There are, you know, um, Cleavestown Protocol definitely had it at the start. Um, There's other games, even Sony Tiles, uh, Mm -hmm. Sackboy had it at the start. So there's definitely... But a lot of the stutters were being mixed up with that and actually data asset streaming, you know, just general CPU data pausing and... I've covered so many titles over the past few months that have all had that same issue. So yeah, this is it. This is exactly said. So th- this is going to be the year to upgrade because you're going to see more and more titles coming out that are going to hit that wall quite often. And you're not going to fix it by waiting for a
0: patch, which is like a magical bullet that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there will be patches that improve things here and there, but it's not going to be like, I don't. I have come to the conclusion, like Hogwarts Legacy, for example, that there's not going to be a magic patch that doubles performance. Like, it, might they claw back 10, 20%? Yeah. And I think you've seen new AMD driver updates improve Hogwarts performance, at least on RDNA2 recently. Like, that type of stuff's going to happen. But I don't think there's like some optimization thing going on here where for PC you can just double performance on it. I, I don't. I don't think it's there. And, at the same time, though, I think anyone who's like worried they need to go buy a $2,000 graphics card right now, you know, when I look at, like, I, I've Forspoken and Harry Potter pulled up, you know, especially with regards to Harry Potter, the people who are actually playing it say the game's fun. I mean, I looked at, like, what you need for 4K60 or 4K45 and stuff, and it doesn't need a 4090 to do 4K60, like, it, mostly Ultra, and then if you turn on DLSS or FSR, you're getting close to 100 anyways. I think that's, you know, it's just accept that this game is never going to run 4K200, right, without (laughs) some insane PC. But I, I don't think we're at this point where it's like Dark Souls 1, where like you can't even get 30 frames. Like, Hogwarts, turn down a few settings, turn on FSR, you're fine. And I think that if you're willing to wait, I'm pretty sure the stuff coming out at the end of this year and early next year... I keep hearing about all these accelerators amd's putting into their cpus uh and f- presumably intel will as well like i think we're going to see a thing where they have the solution to the problem in a year anyways you know it's just yes there's just this year where you can't game 4k 60 on your old 400 hundred dollar graphics card without turning down a couple things but it's it you know it is what it is right yeah, exactly, it's hardware solutions
1: with the software catching up. So yeah, the stuff that that's happening in the background that will, like I say, direct storage. You just keep your eye on that. You're going to see a lot of things move towards that as a solution, and it's all around, ironically, offloading the work away from the dedicated hardware to specific hardware so that mm-hmm. the, the CPU GPU is free to do the work when it needs to. That's going to happen a lot, um, but it also just around the performance. The, the, I think the problem is. You can run Hogwarts, like you can run all these titles, very right, like Dead Space, you can run over one hundred twenty FPS. You know, I, I've I've I was at one hundred eighty FPS. The, the problem isn't the performance; it's when it's accessing data in big chunks, it stutters, and it, and it's why I talk about frame time so much because I, I frame rate to me is irrelevant. Frame rate is kind of the byproduct of frame time, as you know, but. It's all around that, and that's what people feel. So when you're playing the mm-hmm. game and you walk into a room and it stutters for you know 120, 30 milliseconds three times in the space of 30 seconds, that feels horrible. But if you run a game at 45 FPS consistently and it's consistently hitting 25, 23 milliseconds per frame, that doesn't feel as bad. It's when things pause and stop and start mm-hmm. that feels terrible. And that's what's hitting PC now often. It's that chugging because, effectively, it's mm-hmm. just stalling all the time. Uh, And no hardware is going to fix it. It's got to be fixed between new hardware and better changes to the engine itself to better suit the PC architecture, which is, like I say, fundamentally split pools of RAM
0: and no Mm -hmm. dedicated hardware to offload to. Yeah, hopefully there's some update they can do, though, for that, because that just sucks, right, if you're basically telling people it's going to be limited to like 45 frame drops. For the next year, like hopefully, there's something they could do. Where and I think we've seen this in some recent game releases, like Call of Duty, where they're like, "Yeah, the solution is we can just use 20 gigabytes of RAM." It'd be nice yeah. if that was at least an option for the people that have that much RAM. And I think that'll happen. And also, lower textures. That's the, I always say to everyone all the
1: time: if you're struggling, lower the texture assets. Lower lower your texture buffers from from ultra to high or medium mm-hmm. yeah you for spoken is a good classic example you can't run for spoken on 8 gig yeah it's definitely got optimization issues in quotes where it just doesn't handle its, its heaps very well but if you lower texture resolution that's going to claw back so much vram that gives your other heaps more space if they dynamically allocate that base on the hardware so that's always a quick fix for pc run, run it at 1440p but drop your resolution to low, and then try the game. I bet everyone gets better performance, less stutters, because you're just pushing less data through the system.
0: Yeah, I did notice that too, all the way back in twenty uh, Battlefield 2142 within RTX 3070. Like... In the beta, I could do 4K100 at mostly ultra pretty dang well, even with just eight gigabytes of VRAM. But I noticed in the full game, especially if I played through several maps, eventually it went from using six gigabytes to seven gigabytes to eight gigabytes mm. to eight and a half on an eight gigabyte 3070. And I just said, I mean, I can find scenarios and I can, there are some evenings where there's no stuttering at ultra textures, but if I drop this to higher medium textures, it never stutters all of a sudden. And I think it's, I think people get misleaded their expectations do when they'll go to like tech power up or other benchmarking websites and they will benchmark VRAM usage and they'll say, see, this game runs fine with eight gigabytes. And it's like, well, it runs fine for five minutes in your benchmark run. But, and some reviewers have noticed this and pointed this out though, but I think people get these expectations where they're like, well, it should be doing ultra. The reason it does not mine is there's some, it's like. Honestly, you, you probably want to be using, and some games limit it now, like I noticed Horizon on PC has a setting that limits it. Um, I think Call of Duty might have a setting that limits it for you, where Ooh. they will just try to never use more than like 80% of your VRAM buffer because they know it's smoother. And some games don't have that toggle. You you manually do it yourself, turn it down one setting, and it'll probably in long-term gaming sessions have way less stuttering, right?
1: It, look yeah that's it i mean it, in short terms it's page swapping that's what's happening so you end up with with temporary buffers moving data back and forth that it just kills your performance dead so mm-hmm. the best thing to do is have at least a little bit of overhead because memory management is hard even for my day job in data centers but in in a game as demand well, in something as demand as a game you're dynamically allocating data all the time or at least you don't want to but yeah yeah you have dynamic heaps you're constantly juggling data back and forth, and memory is always in demand all, all the time. So, if it's not in memory, you're screwed, uh, and it, it, that's happening a lot, and it's going to happen a lot more because of just where the game assets are going, engines are going, and Unreal Engine Five is. Is I've said this before on on another podcast. Um, it, it's. It's ubiquitous in the terms of everyone's using it, but that's not always a good thing because mm-hmm. what people will see—it's why you get this thing like Unity is really crap. Unity is not bad. Unity is a tool like any other tool, but if, if it's free and it's easy access and there's loads of online marketplaces, what you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of people jumping on making a game that don't yeah. really have the experience, and then you end up with bad games. So it's you can't do that with unit with you know um, Guerrilla's engine, Decima or Kojima's engine. Well, that is what used to be Fox Engine, but those are behind closed doors, and they're they're you know they're managed by a team that understands it and developed by a team that understands it. Unreal Engine, yeah. and Unity are just out there. Just grab it, grab your tools, have a go. Yeah, you,
0: look, you think about the Decima Engine, right? And you're like, man, this engine seems so good. And you're like, well, let's see who's using the Decima <laughs> Engine: Kojima and Gorilla. And you're like, well, yeah, but they're also the most competent developers, so I'm sure it looks good. You know, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, it's the, the there's definitely a combination of both.
1: People always talk about engines a lot, and I do it as well. But you've got you can't underestimate the talent behind the engine, and that's a big, big thing. And and Gorilla are absolutely pinnacle of technology. So, some of the stuff they're doing at the moment in terms of how they develop games that's what I love a lot of that gets pushed to the side, but. A lot of the data center stuff that's going on, that's a big part in in making games efficient in terms of check-in, online solutions, dynamic compilation, being able to run the same version across multiple um, nodes so that multiple people can just submit their their version, compile it and play it dynamically and live on remote servers. All of that is where the future is going and engines that support that are big. I mean I'm getting off topic but that that that's a big development area for a lot of companies and I think Gorilla has invested heavily in that. I, I looked at one of their, their papers the other week and it was really very really interesting. Probably not to the mainstream but for me as a geek it's good.
0: Well, I mean this is a channel of mostly geeks who are following us. <laughs> so if there's ever a time to talk about it it's hopefully with this crowd but All Jesse wants for Valentine's Day is to get a hold of one of them geese and maybe get some extra naps in. But if you're a gamer like me and you're building a new PC, you probably just want reasonably priced Microsoft keys. And if so go to cdkeyoffer.com this Valentine's Day. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com. There's just no reason to pay exorbitant monopolistic prices for Microsoft Office or Microsoft operating systems anymore. Not when you have someone like cdkeyoffer.com who's been a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for many years now. If you're looking for anything from Steam games, Origin games, Uplay games, or PlayStation keys, or reasonably-priced Microsoft software, go to cdkeyoffer.com today, click the links in the description, and use the offer codes BROKENSILICON for 25% off Microsoft keys and DieShrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Don't be like Jesse here who's chewing on my chair right now. Be smart, don't overpay for online software, and go to cdkeyoffer.com today. moving forward a little bit here. So we, we've talked a lot about what's going on with PC, like where that's going in the next year or so, like just point blank, the consoles, PlayStation, Xbox, how are you feeling about them right now? Do you think that it's smooth sailing, that they're going well? Uh, and of course, it could be different answers for different consoles. Uh, do you think that they're showing their age at all, really? And are there any trends that, ha- uh, trends, trends that have emerged or failed to emerge, whether it's image quality, frame rate, settings, game rate, like, how is this generation going? Is it going well? And is anything different than what you expected? You know, I think it's going very well. I think it's going much better for Sony because they've put their investment
1: in the right place and they've handled it very well. I think Xbox have done okay at the start. I think that I can't, i said this before Their last year was, was just a car crash, just terrible. They didn't release anything. I just, I've never known it. So they're not having a good year, um, and I think that's that's kind of borne out by the fact that they've bought some publishers and they're trying to push their market that way. So, so in terms of Xbox, no, I don't think it's got I don't think last year's gone very well at all, and I think they. Know Would you say it.
0: it's going better than last gen for them though? Uh, yes, I think for, certainly in in terms of image share
1: and market share, yes, I think they're doing okay. I wouldn't say they're selling gangbusters, but I think mm-hmm. they're doing well in terms of managing the market, the fan base, and giving people what they want. I mean, Game Pass has saved them, in my opinion. It's it's mm. kept their, it's kept them on the tip of people's tongues all the time because of Game Pass. If it wasn't for Game Pass, you probably wouldn't talk about Xbox much. That's the thing. And I think that's, that's where you've got to give them kudos. They saw a market, and they grabbed it, and they've done a good job there. So I think that's where Xbox are. And, and I've said this before, their market's changed. It's not the same market as Sony. So I think that's Xbox. They need to deliver games this year, and I think they've got that hopefully in hand with lots of stuff lined up. I mean, I'm I'm itching to play Starfield. That's, that's my big, big title for them. So I can't wait to play that because I'm a sci-fi geek as well, but I think Forza looks good. So I think for Xbox, I think I've never been a fan of the series S I get why they've done it, but I I still think that's a bit of a, a noose around their neck, which is probably going to bite them a little bit later on down the line. If not now, because I mean, it just, it just doesn't
0: run anything. Everything's turned off. Every game. I've heard a lot of developers say that too, that they're really concerned about optimizing games for the xbox series when they have like a 10 gigabyte ram limit on the series S that they have to support
1: yeah and that's why you're going to get silly frame rate, uh, study resolutions and, and texture assets i mean dead space is another example that, that it really suffers when vrs is on because of that ram pool and everything's so low you, you're talking 720p often in that title for a next gen console without ray tracing so it, it's 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 definitely, in my opinion, too low. I still don't. I can't believe they passed that. You know, we're releasing a brand new console that's weaker than our last one, and the Xbox One X, just madness. But anyway, um, CPU aside, it is. So I think that's Xbox, and I think they this year is make or break for them in terms of market. I think that their fan base will will fall out if they don't deliver on things like Starfield and things like Forza, and potentially if they show something um, in Fable. So they're they're the big ticket titles i think for this year which will be good and it will help game pass for sony mm-hmm. i think that they've had a bad year um only in the sense of i don't think they released what they thought they could release last year so i think there's a lot of stuff stacked up for this year that they're gonna stagger out um like but factions
0: they- is an example of that right like i'm just shocked that's not out yet
1: yeah, well, they're investing heavily in online, but uh, again, Sony want to make everything great. So I think that's one of their problems that they, they they give developers the time. And I think that's that's also means that people get frustrated. So yeah, fractions not being out is kind of... I, I definitely think that's missed its original deadline a couple of times, but that will land this year. I'm almost sure of it. I think the target was to release it. I, I would be amazed if it wasn't targeted to release around the, you know, the show, but the, for whatever reason, they've missed it. But the hype's worked well on that. So I think... That's always been Sony's aim. They've done well in terms of making Sony Studios a Disney of the game channel. You know, they're trying to make this Hollywood style, and that's worked with the TV show, and I think they'll push that more. We've got a war. So I think there'll mm-hmm. be definitely more titles this year that we'll see from Sony, some exclusives, and certainly some um, limited exclusives or, you know, timed exclusives. We're going to see more of that. You know, me and you spoke before about the Metal Gear Solid one. Um, <laughs> I'm not breaking any rules, but that that's, uh, you know, I've heard that from multiple people, as have you. years so there's no way that's not in development um i I
0: was gonna i I had the i was gonna have that on the script but i like it's already pretty long amount of conversation points that we have to get to but you brought it up so i'm bringing it up again um i haven't asked anyone about it uh in the past like six months but you know i guess i won't say who but i'm friends with some uh, multiple podcasts that have friends with good friends with developers at sony they all say there's a metal gear solid game and to this day i i don't know if i've just been gaslit by 20 different people at the same time or what because where the hell is the metal gear solid remake but you're saying it you're saying it without me again you know that's coming that's what you're saying
1: yeah i've heard it from a couple of people yes it's 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 supposed to be well known and out there and um, yeah, I, I don't. Know and if, this don't is know.
0: recent, as of recently, you've heard this again. As
1: of, as of as of in the last six months or so, I've heard that it's still okay. in the pipe. Yeah, so um, there's definitely something out there. Whether it comes out this year, but that, that's one. And then there's a lot of other stuff. Um, I know there's a big title from from FireSprite. I know that they've just done a great job with Horizon and Core of the Mountain, but they've they've certainly been very active in the vr market and they're built from a class studio anyway from you know prior to psychosis um that's where a lot of them came from at least the founders and then imagine from before that so they're they've potentially got something big in the vr space coming which is meant to be incredible and that's something that i think will come out or at least be shown off this year but i think sony need they just need to keep their consistency up um a lot of people mm-hmm. give them flack i think for being quiet but i, I disagree I, I i'm i'm I like what they do because I think it does this calm before the storm. Cause what Sony have got is they've, they've got a captive audience. So Sony can be quiet and everyone talks about them being quiet. So they, they kind of win, win, don't they? Cause even when they're not doing anything, they're getting spoke about for not doing anything. So they do all the right things. And I think the only thing that I'm, I am surprised in mm-hmm. is they've not done a massive marketing push for PSVR two, And I, I think that's an amazing piece of kit, but I hope they ramp that up over the next few months just to really push how good that is. Cause I think it's, it's kind of breaking that level of, of I would not say mainstream, but it's certainly breaking the barriers down of entering VR for a lot of people that you, you definitely would have had for for PSVR one, but so just summarizing what I've said, I think Xbox had a terrible year last year. No, no doubt about it. Then they really need to perform this year. I think Sony did a good job in keeping things ticking over with some great releases, even if not all of them landed. But I think this year they've got a lot in the pipe and I think they both need to push the wow factor of, of next gen gaming that we want. So, I think that's what a lot of people expect this year, but I think we're going to see it. We'll see it in, in it, certainly on the Sony side, potentially, I'm hoping, on the Xbox side with a couple of tiles. Starfield should be a great game, but whether it's a technical masterpiece, come on. We know who the developer is.
0: Well, all right. So I was going to move to PSVR 2 next, but I do have these other notes here about like Microsoft Studio. So you brought, yeah, you brought up Starfield again, so I do want to touch on that one more time before I move forward. Um I... I'll just say this openly, I haven't really like done I don't believe any big leak of I think I talked about it a little bit on Race Broken Silicon but like I recently had a couple of my better developer sources warn me that Starfield may be in trouble. Now, this is one of those things where it's like you got to be so careful. I mean, the Metal Gear Solid remake thing is a good example of being careful about leaking information about games. It's like these things can have one person in a studio say one thing He's having trouble with this thing, but really, the overall game's turning out great. Or the opposite could be going on. You can have games where it's supposed to come out that year and it doesn't come out for four years. Where's Hellblade Two? By the way, I was la- I, I spontaneously started laughing the other day when I realized, wait, wasn't that like a thing they showed off early 2020? Where is Hellblade Two? It's very hard to nail down. If you, if you're, it, it's it, you should always be second guessing if you have the full picture when talking about upcoming game releases much more than talking about upcoming hardware releases they're just so hard to nail down but like I heard starfield may actually have a lot of issues and a lot of recent layoffs and that there's a lot of turmoil just in general at bethesda studio so i'm just wondering if you have a lot of confidence that starfield's going to turn out well because you know i mentioned this information in much more detail than i think i want to say publicly right now to my co-host broken silicon dan and he, he was pretty depressed. He's like, we want Starfield to turn out well, you know, like we like, I like, I think more than him actually Fallout. He liked Skyrim a lot. I don't want Starfield to be bad, but like, I, I guess I'm asking cause I, I'm selfishly want you to tell me that everything's okay. Is everything okay with Starfield? Cause the stuff I was told was like very bad. Uh, I don't want to get into details, but it, it was bad. Do you think like, but have you heard differently? I had to be fair. I,
1: I haven't heard what state it's in directly. I just know what I've seen, uh, and it doesn't okay. look. What they showed off as a vertical slice for whatever you know for better, a better description was not great. There was some good stuff in there, but it. The, the problem is they're still using the same engine. And therefore they're still going to be limited by the similar issues, which is basically patch it to make it work for the, the team are talented and they make some great games really involved RPG games. Uh, you know, I can't fault them for that, but mismanagement is generally a term thrown around a lot, but it's a big problem with Microsoft um, simply because they don't give studios autonomy where needed. And they also, they do a lot of what, and Sony have done this. Sony did this with a PS3 famously um, when they, Took people's development, you know, pre renders as a as a sales pitch to get greenlit on a studio for a game, and then push that public at E three. That's what Microsoft do a lot. So they showed, like, Hellblade 2 is a good example of that. They acquired Ninja Theory. They went out and did a presentation. Ninja Theory had something, or at least they got a short ass to make something. There's no way that that game that they showed of Hellblade 2 was anything more than just a a cinematic. And I get that. Everyone's done that. It's been done. Sony have done it. Everyone's guilty of that. It's it's not a new thing. But Microsoft do it all the time because they're consistently trying to create hype. So what they do is that they kind of they fall on their own sword all the time because they keep doing it. And I think Starfield is another good example of it. They held it back and then they showed it off mm. when they weren't ready. So I think the problem they've got now is they've created an expectation that is going to be hard to meet. I would be amazed. I mean, if, one thing I've heard from Starfield is it's 4K
0: 30, which is going to annoy people. Mm. On, to uh, yeah, people. on Series X. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's. Hopefully what, that changes, by the way. But th- mm. and I, I'm sorry I'm cutting you off, but do you think if that happens, do you think it because before the Series X and PS5 came out, uh, Ubisoft announced that Assassin's Creed Valhalla was going to be 4K30, and then everyone got mad, and they're like, never mind dynamic resolution 60, and it turned out pretty well, actually. It was generally above 1440p on both consoles. I mean, on Xbox, I think it was usually above 60. It was great. It worked, it worked great. You know, do you think this is an example of this is their target now, and they can change it, or do you think this is an example of kind of like last gen frankly where it's like yeah honestly guys these games are running at 30 frames because that jaguar cpu ain't doing 60. do you think there's something where it's just bogged down and they might as well target 30 or do you think that could change or, or what would be your guess and i'm sorry i cut you off but please continue after no no,
1: no it's fine i'm again this is guess i don't know anything but looking at their engine and what how the game bro and, the, and whatever engine titles they keep giving it are but The engine itself can be very CPU limited, certainly single thread limited. That's one area they've got to work on. The problem with that is there's a lot of work to make very multi-threaded engine technology across a title such as Starfield. Because effectively, they're they're going for the no man's sky, but on a much bigger scale because everything's Mm. going to be handmade, hand authored. I know there's procedural generation and all that kind of stuff, but generally it's going to be a higher level of, of polish than that. That's hard. So I think the fact that they're saying 4K30 is their CPU bound. I think that's where their their limit is. So it doesn't matter what resolution they're going to go to, whether they can get to a point of offering that. And the, and I think the, the get out of jail free will be here is a sixty fps mode that relies on VRR, and you might be somewhere in the forties. So I'm not saying it's the end of the world. And trust me, I don't really. I'm not that bothered about sixty fps as, as as you know probably many people think I am on my channel. But what is important is they've always released titles that underperform on console and even PC on day one. So they need to break that rule. Um, you mean yeah. the the Bethesda Studios? Yeah, yeah. generally, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about id tech here, so they're a very different beast. But in terms of Starfield, um, Fallout, uh, Skyrim, they all perform terribly on the original consoles they were targeted for because they just ran badly on the hardware and then later on Piper came faster and they got away with it. I think this is a case of that again where they they have, they bite off more than they can chew and they try and make a game fit on a Series X when actually they need to spend more time with their engine being multi-threaded. Again, I don't know but I think that's where their problems are going to be. So I think you're going to end up with a very potentially a a game that performs badly in certain areas because it's not gpu bound because it's cpu bound because they're doing so much simulation with the combat and everything else that's going on in that title because they have a very good target base that they want to make and there are passionate people in that studio that make the games because you can tell that by how much effort they put into the games it's just that they're they're working to a remit that has to deliver so much content which i hate that word and so many hours of gameplay, they, they can't focus on fixing things because they've got to focus on filling the game. So that's going to be one mm-hmm. one big area. And also, I think they've got a lot of feedback from the original reveal. You know, just having, you know, pre-scripted landings and takeoffs, that's that's just a no-go in this day and age. I can't believe they thought they could, they'd fly. So you've got to look at warning signs like that when you see the fact that, you know, well, it's Todd Howard. So Todd Howard is a used car salesman through and through. So it, it, you're getting what he's selling you, but, it, you know, is what he's selling you really a great car for that price? Probably not, and I think that's the problem with Starfield. It's it's still got it's got a lot of weight on its shoulders, both from us, that the fan base wanting to play a game because I'm really looking forward to it, but also the fact that they've never shipped a very good performing
0: title ever that I know on console in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember Fallout Four, which I love that one. I think that's actually kind of against the grain a little bit how much I like that one compared to what people would usually say. Um, but I remember, I think I had like a, it was a really good overclocker. It was a Vegas 64. It were, it, it, you know, I remember standing on top of that, like airship in the city. And I, I called my brother over. I'm like, Hey Dan, come here and look at this. And he's like, what? So I'm looking over this side of the boat and I am getting a hundred frames a second We're this side of the boat, I'm getting 60. Um, does this part of the city look any harder to run than this? side? <laughs> and he's like, no. And it's like, and I can't see any enemies for that far away. Why is the frame rate half as big here? What is doing this? Oh, no. And it's a, it's that type of thing where I'm like, well, I wonder if that 30, if there is a limit or if the frame rate is all over the place. Like my guess is they all feel compelled to ship with an unlocked frame rate option just for marketing purposes to say with VRR, you can hit 60. Um, but I, I wonder, like, if they they just run into that so much that they don't see a point in, like, certainly pushing to like one hundred and twenty or something. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't think that's a title that's going to benefit anyway. Uh, and I
1: think it, even four K, I think coming out at fourteen forty p with in much better levels of interaction, simulation, world building, detail, character models, all of that is far more important than resolution and frame rate. I've always said that, um, but. Mm-hmm. It, I will stick by the fact that you need consistency in frame time. That's the problem. And I think that they just have a, a tendency to create games that fluctuate heavily. Lock 30 is fine. I can live with it. I think most people can. Lock 60 is better, obviously. It's when you're all over the place, as you say. that's just It just feels horrible. And that that is one problem I've got. But the other problem I've got is, is it doesn't deliver on expectations. I really hope they don't. Half ass it, which is you know we promised you this world. We
0: promised you no man's sky, but on a on a Hollywood budget, and then you. But that's what I'm worried about, right? Because Microsoft kind of needs a big release. Yeah, they They need it now. (laughs) Like, and I wonder that they're gonna push them to release it before it's ready. And like, this is just one of those studios where they sometimes take a decade to make a game. I'm not defending them, by the way, for taking a decade to make a game, but they seem like they need that usually. And but. Microsoft needs a game now they, they've it's you know it, it's 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 kind of getting a bit dire there I mean I don't know that I'm going to read any of them I have all these reader mails here that are basically asking what do you think's going on at Xbox Studios because I don't know where their games are they have all these studios where are I know some of them are always going to take longer to release but again then I can point out Hellblade 2 and I go where are the games Microsoft you bought all these studios
1: well, again, it brings me back to my same point, um, mismanagement. The the, the the problem with big companies is there's never one person managing it, even though you see the person on the front. It doesn't come from one person, especially some company as big as Microsoft. So you've probably got a lot of plans behind the scene that said, you know what, we'll start this generation, we'll do cloud gaming, we'll do Game Pass, we'll buy a few publishers, and by 2023 we'll have 40% of the market because – online gaming is going to be absolutely the top thing. Everyone's going to be playing cloud and everyone's going to be at home because of the pandemic, all that will work out for us. It didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't subscribe to game pass at the level. They thought there's not as much revenue there, which they've obviously had to come out and admit now that what we already knew,
0: which is the fact that it it does, doesn't make you money because you've, and I did look up recently, by the way, this came out like a few months ago that like, and they haven't hit the subscriber Number targets they wanted to two years in a row now, so there is something here where they really haven't got the subscriber level they think they need for it to be profitable and sustainable. They this has emerged like so that it really isn't like a speculation thing. It, it still really hasn't hit the popularity they're hoping for two years in a row. No, and some of that's their own
1: fault. You know, some of that is the fact that as you said, they, they haven't shipped anything. They've got no, you've got no reason to own Game Pass other than the fact you don't want to pay forty pounds seventy pounds for a game, but. You're still paying ten pound or eleven pound or fifteen dollars a month or whatever it is. The, the the end game is always the same. So and Microsoft are no different to anybody else. Just to, you know you can use any subscription model you want. They'll they'll hook you and then they either div, divvy up the the market so they divvy up the categories and say me, medium tier and they, they've done that already. Mm-hmm. So and then and then on top of that they then start doing other things by putting the price up or they start releasing games in episodic and therefore you've got to subscribe. So if you don't mm. subscribe, you can only play part one, you can't play part two. So that, that's that's their end game. And that's always been Microsoft's end game and everyone's end game in terms of getting subscriptions. The problem with Microsoft is they don't commit to things for long enough. And I'm not saying this blindly. I've known and worked with Microsoft for years. I mean, I, you know, I've worked with them in, back in the 90s. They've, they've got history of doing this time and time again. And Google are the same. Big companies always do it because they're targeted on year-on-year yields they're not mm. they're not targeting long-term goals so they'll 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 flip on a on a dime so to speak but they are a massive ship they can't turn on it so that the problem is that internally they they'll 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 chase the the golden ticket and it, it externally it looks like what the hell are they doing it's because internally they've canceled 50 projects we just don't know it and mm. uh, i think that's microsoft problem they don't invest and stick to something like, for example, if Microsoft had funded and pushed something like Forspoken, which I think did actually quite well in the end, but I think the, the general push was this doesn't look great, people aren't getting excited about it, the buzz is not there, they probably would have backed out of it earlier on and not shipped the game, whereas that's not Sony's MO, they just don't do that. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's that's, I think, where Microsoft are paying the price, they don't stick and commit to things often enough, or they they react or overreact to the market, so they'll panic and think we can't release that now because everyone's saying this. Don't release it. Uh, but you can't keep mothballing stuff without it having an impact on your bottom line, and obviously having an impact on your public relations. And I think both those things have come true. So I think the publishing deal is just a case of we need to get the whole market away from anyone else so that we own it in Game Pass,
0: and that's what the, the buyouts are for. Basically, mm-hmm. if you can't if you can't build it, buy it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, I saw that this episode will actually drop, I believe, like the day of or after when Microsoft is arguing at a court in the EU, I believe, <laughs> to try to keep the deal going. I don't know. That one doesn't look like it's going to happen, does it?
1: It, it doesn't. I, I mean, I've not talked about it much I've about- had. Uh, opinions on it, but I did say it from the start, it it wouldn't happen. I mean, I I, I said, I did a video on the day when Google announced they were shutting down Stadia. And I said, the first thing they're going to do is they're not going to do it yet, but they'll jump in bed and say, they support Sony and agree that Microsoft are a conglomerate. And that's what they've done. And that was exactly Mm. what they did. It was obvious because they're just repaying the favor that, that Microsoft did to them because they, Microsoft want the mobile market. So I think that the the problem is that um, the, the UK, um, monopolist law has basically come in to say, and I, you know, you can't disagree with them. I don't. People say that they're. That, that I'm not invested in the deal. It doesn't make any difference to me. I don't know why people get inve- invested mm-hmm. in it. But I know. Yeah, the, me I know, I, there's some. I don't have stocks like, in just, any of these companies. I know it's just crazy. People are getting very like passionate about whether they win or die by buying Activision. But realistically, what they've put forward is 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 exactly logical, and they know what Microsoft are doing. They've basically said absolutely guys have at it if you want call of duty you can buy call of duty we're not going to stop you you just can't own the marketplace and also own all of this cloud market and they want king that's what microsoft are after they want activision for king for all the all that lovely uh, market share of the mobile market because then they can jump onto apple then they can jump onto google play that's what they're going for and that's what i said years ago that that's them that's their end game so i don't see this deal going through because they're not really interested in the call of duty thing and, and they know everyone knows it. And that's why they, they've said, well, if you want it, you can split it up. You can sell it in chunks or you can just buy Activision and take out the call of duty stuff and sell the rest on, but you can't have it all. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's going to really struggle because
0: um, it's, it's gotten pretty far. It will definitely stall it for a while. I think at mm-hmm. best yeah and it's not the same as like the nvidia arm thing where like if nvidia doesn't get arm within five years you might as well not get it because like if you don't have the latest technology these chip the advantages you get just aren't there it, like get like taking 10 years to get game studios might be worth mm-hmm. waiting it out but i do think that there has to be some ticking clock there though where it's just not worth worrying like bogging down for that many years and on top of that actually Something I've thought about is, you know, they made this deal for Activision Blizzard at the peak of a booming market and we're in a recession now. Mm. I've heard about, I don't know how many high profile cases there are of this, but there's still hundreds of million dollar deals between some companies recently that I heard were canceled. And the company gave all these reasons for why they didn't meet some requirement and they had to cancel this deal. And then it, turned out, though, behind the scenes. It seems like they just didn't want to buy the share price at what they agreed to two years ago anymore, because the company's worth a fourth as much as it used to be. (laughs) Like, And I do wonder, depending on how this recession goes, how much Microsoft might go. You know, we paid a lot for Activision, Blizzard, and their stock price, and I don't know if their company is really worth that much anymore. We may have overpaid and taken forever to get something, and they may. Be, I wonder if they'll back. They'll be more happy to back out of it soon, just simply for that reason alone.
1: Um, they could be, but I think they'll back out of it because I, I do think this is this is definitely a bit make or break for, for the Xbox platform. I've said it for a few years. I think that Microsoft. I'm old enough to remember that Microsoft have abandoned a lot of stuff that people probably wouldn't have thought now they would have abandoned. They're, they're long since forgotten. So they've definitely got history of doing this, but I think the writings on the wall, if you look at their their year on year earnings this year, their earnings call is very bad. As you said, they, they didn't make their the targets for Game Pass. It's not making them money. It's a loss leader. They're. Their revenue stream has dropped. and revenue is not profit because everyone goes on about that incorrectly online and saying that revenue is irrelevant if you're spending as much more than, you, than you're pulling in. But in addition to that, Windows isn't selling like it used to. It doesn't It doesn't mm. make them the money it used to. Um, their cloud and Azure, which which I know firsthand has done well, but it's still not AWS. It's still not in in killing them dead. And so if, even though it's a, it's, a, it's a good market for them, they – it's, it's almost shrunk, and there's other people coming into that market that, that, that are battling them, and Microsoft have had some issues in the last 12 months. They've had a lot of demand. Teams has done well for them, and Teams has been a big demand, but they've had a lot of issues in Teams. They've had a lot of issues that have hit a lot of their areas in one go, and that's tainted their image again because the demand's high and they can't deliver. So I think Microsoft have got a problem. Like you said, a ticking time bomb is right. They've definitely got an issue with Xbox. They've got to deliver something if they let Activision go or they give up on the deal, mm-hmm. I think that's around the fact that they they just can't keep pushing money into this because uh, right now it's it's a waste of time, effort, and money, and this isn't going to cost them nothing, but um, they can certainly afford it for, for for a period of time. But the biggest giveaway is the fact that for this year they're not doing any E3 uh, and that's unheard mm-hmm. of for them because they can't keep affording winning millions of pounds when they're not making any money. So somebody somewhere up the food chain has gone, you know what guys your marketing budget's being cut and that's what's happened mm-hmm. and they've got to deliver. So if this de- deals falls through, I think there's definitely going to be more, more changes at Xbox. And that might mean, um, some of the diversification of their, their platform. We I mean, look at all the marketing they've done. You got the Xbox hats, Xbox drinks, Xbox gloves, everything. And Xbox fridge. Yeah. Xbox free. I th- I th- that was cool though. To be fair, that was, that was a, Je- genius move They did really well i think it looks cool and it really it embraces <laughs> yeah. the name it's a good idea yeah it's good but again that's because you need you need the you know merch and all that you need it and i think that's what xbox need they need to keep the buzz going because right now they haven't got the games to do it so i, I do think there's definitely a time limit on how long xbox will last and they're not going to jump all of a sudden jump back to the xbox we knew in the 360 era which they were unbelievable but a completely different delivery team then that, that delivered mm-hmm. that console
0: All right. So um, I think, you know, a lot of companies are cutting their marketing budgets right now, though, too. Like when I heard about all these layoffs Mm -hmm. at Intel, one thing I was told is the number one team getting gutted is the marketing division. Um, And and I think for good reason on that company. Um, But, you know, I don't think it should surprise us if any of these companies start dialing down their marketing to save money. I'm frankly, I'm just I have a predilection to think that a lot of companies maybe spend too much on marketing. I can't. I don't think it's always a waste. Like I think the Xbox fridge is a good idea and worth whatever they spent. But I can't help but think that half of the ads I see appearing, I'm like, Did they pay a million dollars to get that placement. Is that really going to make them a million dollars? I don't know. But I think you also said that PlayStation VR two had less of a push you're expecting as well and i'm going to change the lights for this subject i actually feel bad because i forgot to change the color of the lights in the podcast up until now but (laughs) honestly i was just enjoying the conversation so much i apologize to everybody (laughs) but but, you know one of the main reasons we had you on was that you have playstation vr 2 early and this is dropping you know right on the release day in the uk so that we can you know discuss this when it's coming out I, I have to talk about it though what are your thoughts on playstation VR? VR2 do you think it should have had like i brought it up do you think it should have had a bigger marketing push do you think like and and just how would you summarize summarize its place in the market right now because i looked it up and i read about what's out already before we started recording and look it's better than playstation vr1 but i don't that's a pretty I mean, it still uses move controllers so <laughs> that's a pretty old device like how would you summarize how well their launch is going now, and just your opinions on it as well relative to its competition. Well, as I said, I think that the marketing on it, I mean, I think
1: Sony have p- pulled, p- pulled back on their marketing for a few years now. They pulled out of E3 years ago, and I think that that was clever. Um, they've, they've got, it's much better c- c- to control the narrative, which is what they do with their directs. So the fact that they've got the state of play is the easiest way to show it off. Oh, here's a big session. Everyone tunes in captive audience. Perfect. So that's coming for PSVR too. Pretty sure of it. Um, so, but I don't, yeah, they haven't advertised it much, but they have, they have given it to a lot of um, channels, a lot of tech channels. And, I think that's a good way to create buzz. And it's an easier way to create buzz because it gets out to so many different markets that you can't get when you go to a marketing company. As and you It's say, probably you-
0: far more cost-effective, right, to give a VR device to 100 YouTube channels than buying a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, it's, it's a more focused target because the
1: art, the, t- the audience tuning in are inherently interested in PSVR. So there's no point selling it to a guy who watches football is going to go, what the hell is this white helmet for? Get Put me back to the football. So it's all relative, isn't it? So all mm-hmm. of that makes sense. Um, so in terms of marketing, yeah, I did expect a bigger push. But again, they did the same thing with God of War. There wasn't really much. And then all of a sudden when it came yeah. out, there had loads of advertising everywhere. So that is one of the things they do. They hit it on the nail in terms of timing. We'll probably see a lot more come out of it. And certainly there's some good games on there, certainly games that I've played and games that are coming out soon and one I've just, just literally got as we were talking. So I, I can hopefully dive into that at some point tomorrow. But in terms of the hardware, it's absolutely uh, – a huge i've said this in my review it's a generational leap over psvr I mean, In in so many ways it's not the same so if you're coming from the psvr this is absolutely transformative in every single shape way on form you know from from all the wires that are gone no camera the connectivity the simplicity all of that but also in terms of the pc market yeah technically it's, it's not it's not going to offer a huge Technological leap over something like you know I, I use a Rift S, but you know if you're using like the, the Valve Index or whatever, they're all pretty similar. You need a high level PC and you need the, the, a pretty good PC. Let's be honest, to beat the PS5 in VR titles, you're going to need a decent PC, and I'm talking you know 30 70 levels or, or 6800 mm-hmm. levels that that kind of that kind of spec. So you're not going to need a cheap PC. But on top of that, the headset. It's, it's got one of the highest resolutions out there. Not the highest, but it's certainly... It's not
0: just the resolution, it's the... It's density. not like the Pimax, but uh, among the yes. mainstream devices, it's maybe the highest of the mainstream ones are close. It is, yes, yeah, borderline. But it's also cheaper.
1: So it's 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 cheaper than... I mean, okay, the Quest 2, but that's, that's kind of technology that you're not going to use unless you've got a PC to plug it in. But it's cheaper than anything that's better than it by a considerable margin, probably a few hundred pounds, which is not a few hundred dollars. But also... Its optics, its its entire presentation is excellent. One of the things that I di- will struggle with VR is you still get that telescopic look when you're putting it on. So you've got that single cone black peripheral mm-hmm. vision part um this isn't gone in the psvr2 but it's certainly you're able to adjust it push it further to your head get a much comfier quick fit and you don't get hardly any light leakage now because of the the gill thing they've got so that's really really good and that makes it that it sounds silly but that makes an impact in vr because you, you, you are mm-hmm. trying to just create this i'm in this world the quality and the sharpness of the image is great but it's an oled image with hdr now that is one of the big impacts you'll see in many titles they look far more vibrant jump to the psvr jump to even the rift s that's an led screen it just doesn't have the pop doesn't have the colors doesn't have the blacks so a lot of the stuff you see looks instantly looks a bit washed out whereas in the psvr 2 a lot of the newest stuff horizon um core of the mountain is a good example but so is, um, kayak uh, vr mirage yeah kayak mirage vr that's good uh, moss looks incredible in it So they've they've improved image quality both in the headset itself, the resolution, the optics, and also the OLED screen makes a huge amount of difference. The fact that it can push field of view out is one of the biggest Mm -hmm. changes you'll get as well. Not so much in PC, because you used that anyway, but in certain PSVR, because a lot of the titles are like twice the depth in terms of the same title, title for title, in terms of the the field of view. That makes it less claustrophobic. Everything looks easier and it looks more realistic, but you can scale so well. But the biggest function... Benefit it's got, in my opinion, is you can literally turn your console on, turn your headset on, and be into a VR game in the same speed you get into a standard game. There's no, you literally stick mm-hmm. the head on, hammer on your head, and you're
0: good to go. Yeah, and you really couldn't with PSVR 1. I mean, oh God, no. logically, you could argue you could because it's a console, but I'm going to be honest like, there were so many cables and stuff <sighs> that it was just absolutely absurd. Right. And it kind of ruined the advantages you have with click and play of a console. Yeah, absolutely. The, all that is gone here. It's
1: so much simpler. Yeah, ideal is no cable, but there's two reasons why you need it. One, the quality of the video feed just wouldn't be good enough in wireless. I, I'm sure they use wireless in some way, shape or form with the cameras and everything else, but they definitely need the cable for the power because in their no battery that would add weight and they need it for the for the feed. So the cable's there. It's like four and a half meters. It never got in my way. I haven't got the biggest room in the world, but it works fine for me. Um, But the ease of use is... So good. It's so light. It's definitely one. It's definitely the comfiest helmet I've ever owned and used. And I've used a lot of them. It's it's incredibly. Have you used the quest 2? Yeah, I've used the quest 2, yeah. It's good. It's not, but this is better, the quest Mm 2. not because you know not 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 wireless, because that's just that's just free. So yeah, take that out. But then the quality is just on the floor at that
0: point. You're on mobile. Yeah, because I use the I have a Quest 2. Um, and I thought uh like I honestly I was blown away because I hadn't used any VR device since PlayStation VR One and everything else around there, like the early Valve stuff, like mm. all of that I had used. I put on the Quest too, and I, I was blown away by how far we had come in five years. So I think a lot of people tried out VR, I mean, we're coming on to about a decade ago, mm. and, or, I mean, eh, maybe six years ago, and they said, it's cool, but it's crazy expensive, and oh, it fogs up, or with some of them, it weighs way too much, or I have to plug in five cables the Quest 2 really impressed me, not because it felt perfect, but because it felt so much better than what we had before um, in comfort, it, it, like that it was just ridiculous. So I'm really curious if you think, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was, but if you think this is significantly more comfortable than that. Uh, I do, yes. Um, it's
1: significantly, probably not, but certainly you can feel the difference. So I think that the, the B areas than PSVR that's easier is... It's it's not only the weight, it's where the weight's distributed. It, it just doesn't feel like you're wearing a helmet most of the time. You, you don't think about it. Whereas certainly the Rift S I think is quite cumbersome um, when you wear it. The, the, the design at the front, the weight at the front, how it all, how it all works, you can feel like you're wearing something. It's not heavy by any perspective of imagination, but you can feel it, whereas on it, this you can't. Also, it doesn't fog up anywhere near as much as I did under the helmets. Um, some of that is the fact that the design's really good and the little fan on it. So I, I like all of that. But one of the big benefits I found on it is uh, you've got pass through on the Rift S. You've got, you know, it's not new, it's not a new functionality, but it's the integration here you've got a physical button on the helmet which you don't have on the rift Mm -hmm. s um where you can just press it and at any point you can see straight through it's really good it's really clean and it's it's now i could it's like easy to find you know and press yeah and and if you if you go too close it will do the same thing as rift it will give the warning barriers and it will tell you where your controllers are and you can flip back and forth and it never becomes a problem but the room scanning is is incredible the software in here is great it scans your room it works everything out
0: it's hassle free and you're done but the biggest and thing And you've done that with the Quest too, right? I have to ask because yes. that is a thing that impressed me, like how easy it was to do the like spray paint thing on the ground and you're just done, you know. Like yeah. that impressed me. Yeah, it, and it, so
1: you can do that in this, but the, the in the PSVR it actually scans the room for you. So all it does is it mm-hmm. builds that for you and says are you happy with it? Do you want to change it? And then you do the same thing you do on the Rift where you just, you know, okay. blend it and push it out, bring it in. So all of that is simple. But one of the big problems I always found with my Rift, and I still do now, is it builds the room and it always tries to put you in the middle of the bloody room. So do you know if you've mm-hmm. got a chair and then one day you think, I'm going to play over here? The whole point of having a VR helmet is you don't need the TV on. So one of the big benefits I found with a PSVR, like I had with a PSVR1, uh, is you can hold the button down and recenter your view. So it doesn't matter where you are in the, r- in the room, it'll always put you in the middle. So you're mm-hmm. important, not the layout of the room is important. But you can jump in and out of games far far easier than you can on a pc some of that is platform you know you got to jump in you, but with the, with the rift you've got to load up the bloody meta app and then you got to go into steam vr and, and all that hassle on top whereas here you are literally in and out of games using the same menu system using the dual sense controllers which just feel like two split dual senses so the sense controllers all of that makes it very easy so it it really is reducing the barriers of getting into vr and that's one of the things where i think it's got a big opportunity The other part is the fact that you you can now play full-on games in VR. So, you know, Resident Evil 7, GT7, many of the titles that are coming that have got full VR modes. So you just put it on and play that instead of playing the 2D version. And that makes a huge difference in a lot of titles. I mean, if Resident Evil 4 is going to have it, that Mm -hmm. is going to be huge. So that's where I think Sony need to work on pushing. That's where I think VR is going to go. And I said this before, it's nothing new. I, I think that... VR PSVR two is is going to be subsidized by Sony on a lot of developers at, the, at this point because everyone knows that there's no there's no huge market in or mar- margins in VR because it's a niche of a niche. But if, if mm-hmm. Sony- for the the game sales right because yes. your market's so yeah. small, yeah. So. You can get smaller titles that can do well because they don't cost fortune to make. but big massive titles like core of the mountain would have been expensive. That ain't going to make its money back. That's why it's expensive, but it is a great experience. It's a big theme park, you know, ride that you would go and love and it's great, but it isn't a long, you know, you're not going to keep going back to it and playing it over and over again. GT7 is that title. People will live in GT7 because of how good it is and how, transformative it is when you can do all this have all this visual quality in a vr helmet and racing's kind of made for vr it's perfect for it so that's where i think sony will push they'll push to have full vr modes in big games mm-hmm. and once that becomes a big enough market for them which i think they could have and i do think vr's got legs i think a lot of people have this vision that it's never going to catch on i disagree i think it will catch on i don't think it'll ever be as, as seamless as 2d for now it won't be until you get to glasses when you can put glasses on your head like you can then it it will be there but until that day it won't be as easy as a normal tv screen but i think that sony are in the best position to push vr forward because they've got the investment capital to do it and they've also got two options here with the psvr so probably jumping ahead a little bit but i i'm almost sure i said it before i think the psvr 2 will be pc compatible at some point it makes sense because Sony are already releasing games on PC. They've already got a marketplace for that. They're do- not doing day and date. don't think they ever will. They'll push it out for a few years. But mm. I think the PSVR 2 will become compatible and then compete with other headsets in the PC space. And I think that's when everyone will change their tune and go, actually, for £500, it's a bloody great headset. I'm going to buy one because they could make this integrate directly into Steam. Let's say, for example, Valve work out a deal that might include Half-Life
0: Alex to go one way and the other so so I'm glad you brought that up because we had a couple reader mails like from Reginald Irie and a few others about like is PSVR 2 likely to come to PC because PSVR 1 never did I guess before I get why do you think PSVR 1 never did do you think it was just too clunky to like support a standard and they knew something else was coming anyways and that's when you push it because I think that's why people would be skeptical because they never did make PSVR 1 compatible with PC it would have been too much work it was never part of the design i mean it was never it was never
1: designed specifically for the ps4 and you like you say you needed so much stuff it it would never have caught on it would have been a wasted time for them they would never have competed against what was out at the time let alone what was out a year later so that was never an option for them whereas here everything's done they just need to hook in to steam vr rather than create their own platform not saying they won't and there's already you know mm. there's, there's playstation stuff on the pc market so i think psvr was never going to be an option they would have wanted to see how it did and we can be sure that it did all right because here they are again doing another one so it can't have done that bad it definitely died off a little bit, but actually there's, there's always been a very consistent, I'm one of them, I've, I've always had a PSVR, I've still got mine. I've played a lot of games all the way through. I mean, I was recently playing um, Sniper Elite in it, which is a great title in VR. No one talks about it, but there's so many great titles in VR. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what Sony have done. They've, they've Like I said earlier, actually, they stick to their guns. They don't go, well, I only made 10%, what's the point? They've gone went 10%, we come out at 20%, 30% next year. And I think that's what they'll do. So I think PSVR two will be big for the next year maybe 18 months in ps5 and then they'll they'll look at pushing that headset out and recouping some cost onto the pc market and maybe when they do a, a slightly updated iteration gen 2 like they did with psvr1 that's when it would hit the market space but this it's certainly easy i mean you can plug it into a pc now and it'll pick it up it, you can't use it mm-hmm. as a vr headset but it, it does pick it up as a screen because i've done it what do you mean pick it up as a screen you can lose it as a monitor yeah, you can literally put it in and, and use it as a dual screen on your PC
0: using the USB C port. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that, uh, that just yeah. shows you how much easy this will be to program for. Like, why bother putting millions of software supported to the first one when they know this thing's just going to plug in and work. You know, well, they, they haven't encrypted. Uh, the, yeah, they haven't encrypted video on it, or at least what they need. But it, I think it's 1080p. I I'll have to
1: check. But I think it's a, it comes up as a 1080p screen. It's obviously not. It's a, it's, it's a it's a 4k hmm. screen, but or it's two dual screens, but, but it, it works fine. So you can't use it as via VR headset and all that, but it's not its not plugged in and not recognized. It just ping, brings it up as a screen.
0: Jessie here loves bones, but it wouldn't be healthy for her to constantly eat them as much as she would love that. The same is usually true for reasonably priced instant meals. It can feel like you're stuck whenever you're looking for something that's quick to cook tasty, healthy, and cheap all at the same time, well, unless you just choose Vite Ramen, this piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a delicious American-crafted source of protein and nutrients that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. This includes their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice while it cooks, and also their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have 15 minutes free for lunch, whether you're working from the office or you're working at home. With Fight Ramen, you'll never be too busy to eat healthy either way, so click the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off on a variety of different products, including special bundles for Moore's Law is Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes, Fight Go packages and other food products, and cooking utensils, and more. Whatever you'd prefer, using the offer code BROKENSILICON and even just clicking the link in the description really helps Moore's Law is Dead tremendously. And it helps you save money on a tasty, quick-to-make lunch meal. Try Vite Ramen today. Well, so well, then I want to talk about the cost then because this is something that I leaked late last year. I, I had some pretty, pretty deep sources at Meta. And they this was like right after they had actually raised the cost on the quest 2 and i think a lot you know of course their explanation for raising the price is inflation it costs too much we can't afford to make it this price anymore and there's definitely some truth to that like they were selling the thing basically at cost but the thing is i had a bomb sheet which is build materials you know the cost to build it and uh, this is when a lot of people in the comments will go but what about r&d and this guys they take all of that into account when <laughs> they price out stuff for profit they they take into account the development costs and shipping and all of that and i found that even when they were raising the price it cost around 290 i believe the exact estimate they had was 286 dollars to make a quest 2 and they were raising the price to 300 and i talked to them like why do you think this is a big thing was they had taken market share Meta's running out of money so they have to start making money on each unit sold but another thing they said was moving forward they just know half the people buying a quest 2 are buying their games on steam they don't get a dime of that Mm. and because of that they think they need to raise the price moving forward and keep decent margins on these units so that they are sure they're not losing money on a device people are probably using for steam games so I guess I'm curious what you think about then PSVR2's price because they I actually have the bill of materials for what they were projecting the Quest 3 cost you know that has DDR5 uh, a screen that's probably pretty comparable in quality to the PlayStation uh, VR2 screen I think it's this is planned to come out at the end of this year the Quest 3 but it it also has wireless you know RAM bluetooth wi-fi cards all these things add another 50 to 100 dollars to the cost and it came to costing probably around 400 to 500 like 350 to like 450 or something to make um what that would suggest to me and what the engineers i talked to also thought is psvr2 because it doesn't need the wireless the ram all these the storage all this other stuff even with the nice attachments it has it probably costs 300 to 400 dollars and so if Sony wanted to, they could have sold this for four fifty. and I don't think they made big profits on PSVR one. I see this is a pretty big shift in strategy here. I don't think they're making like a one hundred percent markup, but I would suggest Sony's making pretty good profit per unit sold. Do you think that's because they, because they look around and they see that everyone else is charging more than them, or, or do you think it's more? It's probably a bit of everything, but do you, or do you think it's more so like? They know this is eventually going to come to PC, and people are going to buy it and use it for Steam games, or or, and they're maybe setting a cushion in case they want to lower the price in the future. But you can't; people get mad if you raise prices, not if you lower them. I guess I'm. What what do you think to all those things I just threw out there?
1: Well, I mean, again, I I don't know, and and I I can't know what their bomb costs are, and and fundamentally, no one else does. They're they're, they're hypothesizing what the costs are. That they definitely have a very good build model in Sony that keeps cost where it needs to be that said the headset would not have been cheap to make certainly the sense controllers do a very good job they're bigger than the, than the um the vive the vive the rift touch touch controllers and they have it has a lot of functionality in there the headset's got vibration motors in it it's got multiple cameras yeah not as many as as other helmets but certainly enough to do the job so all of that said, I don't think they're losing money on it, no. I don't think they're making a fortune, but it's not a lost leader. The VR market doesn't really support lost leaders, and mm-hmm. that was Meta's fault because they... They assumed that everyone would jump on Facebook and just live in the metaverse, uh, you know, in their head. And that hasn't transpired as 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 we know. And that that, that was pretty obvious. That was never going to happen in the PC market because people who play VR are probably not just your average consumer. So they're going to be savvy enough to go, do you know what? I'll use Steam because that's where everything is. So they've put their price up to reflect the fact they need some revenue back, probably a little bit too late. That said. 120 hertz is not standard by any way, shape, or form in the PC VR space.
0: And I don't even think there's Quest Three is 120 hertz, or at least it's not confirmed. That's it normal. is. Uh, yeah, 2 and 3 is. It wasn't at launch, though, but they updated it to support it later. So it's, it's 120 hertz now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Probably. So, but again, every game, does that support that? and Probably not. Uh, the, 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 eh, by now, I would say it does yeah again it, it was an experimental feature but by now it does yeah
1: so the the point of this is sony are shipping a product that they can make a profit on i'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. the case what that profit is i don't know but they're not losing money in my opinion on the psvr2 and that's perfectly fine but i think they've priced it based on the quality of the headset the quality of the experience certainly the software level they're delivering and also the the push they're going to put into the market to make this competitive. Meta know that because Meta are not naive enough to know that this is a competitor in, in their their market space. Not now, but slightly to the left of field, people will go to you know what I'm not going to buy a PC at all now because or I'm not going to buy a Meta Quest Two. I'll just buy a PS5 and PSVR2 and use that instead, and I get better quality higher you know higher visual quality at least i don't get the wireless and all that functionality that comes with the meta quest absolutely and if you're only in it for that light level then you're never going to beat that because wireless is the the holy grail for vr everyone knows that because it just gets rid of the tethering but you're not going to get the same experience you've got in psvr and i think sony have just literally priced it at that market to inevitably drop it when a, a, a refurb comes along with it slightly cheaper in terms of a new generation and or reduce it once the quest three
0: comes out and they drop theirs onto the pc market at that time mm. th- th- i think yeah, that's, you think it's
1: that's a, the target
0: yeah yeah like maybe playing it a little safe now in an uncertain market and you think well but when quest three comes out if we need to we can drop the price and launch it on pc right next to their launch and we're set up to do that that's what you think they're planning Then, basically
1: i do I, well i think that i think that they're, they're hedging their bets on the market if you look at it that that in the uk they're 530 pound well it's the same 30 pound that went up on the ps5 so realistically their target was 499 in my opinion that was always their target for the psvr2 and that was still actually you know reality cheaper than a psvr1 because with that you didn't even get the move controllers you didn't get a camera mm-hmm. so they are shipping more in the box which does the job better than anything else they've shipped and certainly up with the very best helmets on on the market in the PC space for less money, realistically. So they're in a good position because they're saying, try and find a helmet that does what ours does for 500 quid. We'll wait. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're not wrong to say that. And that, I think that's, that's where they are. The problem is, they're not in the PC space at the moment. So they have got a captive audience, as I would say. You know, if you want it, you've got to buy a PS5.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess though, I, I can't help but feel that this tells me, though, they're not sure the market is ready to go out and buy 20 million devices. Because what I was hoping, and a lot of people I've talked to as well were kind of hoping here, is that they would aim for like 300 to 400. And then they do that because they think, like the previous one, they they had the biggest VR market share for a little bit there, P- PSVR1, for Meta launch their, you know, loss leader device itself. <laughs> like, I guess I was kind of hoping Sony would think the market's ready to just go for it. Here's a $400 console. Here's a $350 VR device. Get into this, and you know what? No one can compete with us. We're ready to take the whole market. To me, this tells me they're still not sure if the market's going to have support like 20 million people or not, because it's a risk. Like when you price something a little above cost, you're calculating that it's cheap enough if you do that to take the whole market, captive them, and sell them stuff. It, to, to me, this tells me Sony thinks it still needs to be a little conservative because maybe the market isn't ready to go mainstream. Absolutely.
1: Uh, but I think you've answered your own question, which I was going to say, which is uh, literally Facebook have proven why Sony haven't done that. You know, Meta mm. took the market by putting out a lost leader. Look at their financial position now. They, they, they overreacted to the market, to stop PSVR 1 running away with it. And it wasn't the best technology mm-hmm. on the market. So they literally did what Nintendo did. Well, actually, the best technology doesn't win. Hey, hey-ho, hey MetaQuest. So that's the first reason. Sony are hedging their bets. But also, that you've got to remember that the shipping of PSVR 2 isn't just the hardware they're shipping now. It's the software subsidy they're going to put into the business for the next two years. They're in this for the long haul. So mm-hmm. their marketing and targets, their sales targets won't be I've said this before, what, what what they said, two million or three, whatever. And then somebody said, I think so, yes, yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. So that's realistic. And I think that's a good expectation because that's also playing the market by saying, you don't want to put out silly quotes and then get your stocks to drop because shareholders then go, hang on, you didn't hit your two million. You want to put out two million. It's, it's the old adage, isn't it? You know, under promise, over deliver. I think they're going for potentially two and a half, maybe three million at the end of a year. I think that's what they're targeting. And they get a ship on that level. And they've got games lined up to do it, but they're going to have to pay for those games. You know, Resident Evil Seven hasn't come for free; they've paid for that. Capcom haven't done it. There's, there's nothing in it for Capcom to do it. They've paid for it. GT Seven would have cost Polyphony quite a few quid to put that together. That's out there. Call of the Mountain that's completely subsidised. There's a lot of R and D into the box which won't be so Sony won't factor that into the headset. They'll make they'll sell the headset at its bomb cost to make the margins on it they need, so it's not a lost leader. But they've also got to put some revenue in there on the games and everything else, so that when they go to all these teams and say we're going to pay for this port we're going to pay for you to update this version on our title and there's a lot of titles that are coming out with upgrades over the current pc versions in vr that are going to hit psvr all of that costs so they're factoring all that in so they're in it for the long game that long game in my opinion is three Mm -hmm. years they've got a three-year game and that's that's how long this is going to run for and i think if things turn out well they'll probably delay the pc release if they don't need it and if it doesn't if it doesn't go as well, or ironically, if it goes even better, or MetaQuest starts grabbing a hold, maybe they release it earlier. So I think Sony are in good, a good position because I think they're they're in a position of power at this point. They've literally said, here's our, here's our hand. It's really good, and it's actually a very good price in the PC space, but we can make money on it now and grow the market in the PS5 space, and then when we start shipping games over, we can port all these games over to PC, and potentially earn a revenue stream off Steam and/or get people to buy a helmet. So this is less risky, in my opinion, for Sony than PSVR one was because of the situation they're in. They've, they didn't have a PC market at that place; they do now. And yeah, admittedly, their games don't always sell really well, but it's still an extra revenue stream. And they're competing against people like you know Meta and Valve. So I think I think it'd be interesting for them and seeing what they do. I, they've thought about this long and hard, and they've certainly to bring it back to the point. They are not guaranteeing that VR will win, in my opinion, but they're certainly not losing money on trying. That's what I think they're
0: mm-hmm. doing. Well, yeah, um, I guess it just depends who you ask. To it, Meta that I talk to, like there is a f- a large faction within Meta that's fed up with lost leaders and feels, you know, honestly, from what I've heard from some of the engineers, like feels compelled to maybe overcorrect and. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, if the Quest 3 comes out, and I've told it could and cost $600, you know, then you'll go, well, you know, maybe if they would have charged $400 the whole time, they wouldn't have had to overcharge for their follow-up device. Mm. Um, although I will say the wireless thing does make me hesitant because I have the uh, the the Quest 2 like desktop app that everyone ends up buying when they get a Quest 2. And as much as you basically just have to pay an extra $20 for this thing that makes it work perfectly with PC it does work perfectly. Like the, my I'm upstairs right now, my desktop is next to me here. And when I want to use my quest Two, I boot it up downstairs and it wirelessly connects latency is not an issue. And I just walk around my whole house, you know, <laughs> with it and that ease of use it's, it's yeah, you know, I'm sure at the resolution it does and stuff, it's easier to do without compressing it than doing full HDR. You know, it's I think it's above 1440p per eye um, on the PSVR 2. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, do you think they could update this in the future, though? Because here's the funny thing. You can get extra battery packs that kind of balance the headset better even for pretty cheap um, for the Quest 2. And, and they're cheap because, look, the thing charges with USB-C, meaning You just mount a, some people didn't even buy a special thing. They just took their cell phone charging battery bank and hook it into the Quest 2. It charges by USB. You just add two hours of battery life and you just put the thing in your pocket or something. Like, do you think because it's only powered by USB, Sony would ever consider launching an add-on that has a battery in it, uh, Wi-Fi in it to send the signal and then it's just like an extra hundred bucks or something, and now it is wireless. Like, do you think that's something they would do, or do you think they just stick to like adding nothing to it? Because it is only powered by USB. I see no reason why they couldn't make that work if they tried.
1: Well, the problem they've got is the receivers in the PS Five. The the Wi Fi six receivers wouldn't wouldn't be able to push the video feeds they need. Um, that they, they haven't got enough uh, dual nodes on there. I think it's four by four by four. Or might even be more six but I can't remember what they are I'll have to check. But I think that's that's their, their big blocker. That's not to say they couldn't release a device on PC that had that in it if the helmet could take it. So there's definitely options with power and wireless and all that. Certainly in the PC space. And um, For PS5, I don't know. A Gen 2 version absolutely could happen. If there's a new PS5 slim or there came out another little USB dongle you plug in the back, which does have the relevant nodes for Wi-Fi 6, then, yeah, it's all possible. Again, I think all those things, though, are unlikely because what Sony won't do is they won't divvy up the market by splitting up different functionality like that. That would be a very dangerous game in the PC space for them. I don't think they do it. But for PC, I think anything's possible. It's certainly far, far easier. And like you say, people will probably mod the PSVR 2 to run with a battery pack very quickly and in the USB port. All of that's possible, but, you know, you can even probably get a wireless USB-C feed from the headset to something else on the PC. There's definitely right, options I'm there. Wondering. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely options there. Um, it, it, I just, I don't see Sony doing that. I see Sony sticking to a wired solution because, you know, they're, they're going to compete with that same premium headset that's on the market now. And it, it, even the Quest 2, if you want to go premium quality, you've got to plug it in. You can't do it wirelessly. So that's, that that, mm-hmm. that that's, Still, their market. I think they're focusing on. They've always been leading edge technology. I, I don't see them changing that. But that's not to say they wouldn't in the future. So it'd be interesting to see what they do, though, um, or when they announce a PC option. Or, you know, nothing I've said is is fact that, that they might never go into PC. I, I just I just assumed
0: they will at some point. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems like yeah, it certainly seems like why not to me when. Mm. They do, because it is funny, right? It's, you talk, I I talk about how I wish it would have been more aggressive. All of that has, in pricing, that all that has to be couched through the lens of, well, you have to get a PS5 to use this thing. So to make it aggressive, that's why, so that people will justify getting both. But the second you put it on PC, it's like, Well, the only competition it has is the Quest 2, which is lower resolution at this point then. I mean, everything else is lower resolution and costs twice as much or something, unless you're getting one of those Pimaxes. And those are certainly not cheap usually as well. Mm. Um, Well, all right. So I want to move on to something here while I have you. We actually skipped ahead to make sure we got to the PSVR discussion. But something that we didn't get to yet is talking about like, Xbox refresh and PlayStation Pro Five Pro and all of that different stuff, and I think we talked about it pretty heavily last time you were on. Mm. And I relooked at the information that I leaked back then, and it's funny because, um, about I think it's actually over a year ago, maybe almost two years ago, I leaked that, and I got this directly from from some people at AMD that whether or not they come out for sure there are design teams working on rough designs for a ps5 pro an xbox pro console whatever and that even more so i think the biggest part of that leak actually which people for some reason ignored mostly actually was that there's a six nanometer xbox series S, right because like a lot of the leak that people get hyped about is a ps5 pro but i'm like Yeah, but the stuff I actually had details about, like concrete details, was an Xbox Series S 6 nanometer refresh. Maybe a stronger one, too. Maybe they enable the full die. Maybe they clock it faster because the Series S is clocked very low for really what it needs to be. And on 6 nanometer, you could conceivably clock it quite a bit faster. And you just give it faster memory. Maybe give it 16 gigabytes of RAM to have parity with the Series X. I was told, you know, in no uncertain terms, that this thing was hoping to come out end of 2022, early 2023, and that there was also a 6-nanometer PS5 Slim coming at some point. Well, here we are. You know, I have pictures of it. PS5's using 6-nanometer now. (laughs) So that actually is out before the Xbox Series S 6-nanometer refresh. And I'm just kind of jumping into this, like, why do you think that is? Like, there were so many, at least I had, and obviously, you know, you can take it or leave it, you know, but... I at least had a lot of evidence that the Series X or Series S six nanometer refresh was coming first, then probably some PS5 six nanometer slim thing, uh, which it seems like the slim SoCs out, but the slim chassis isn't ready. It kind of seems like, and then there might be pro consoles. Like, why do you think we haven't seen a six nanometer Xbox Series S yet? And then, and then I want to get into what you think about pro consoles as well.
1: Uh, well, in terms of six nanometer, uh, they'll all go to it because in the end, when you change your fabrication node, it's cheaper to go with what's basically in the pipe at that point. So you get more out of the wafer. So you know it might cost you more for the wafer, but y- you tend to get less waste, better yield. So that's that's the first reason why they do it. Well, most of the time, that's why they do it. Uh, the reason and, why and think-
0: the six nanometer PS five is like eighteen percent smaller than the launch one. So yeah,
1: yeah. yeah so they're, they're going mean, to. I know you know this. I'm just. I'm kind of answering. The, the audience and stuff not trying to patronize but oh i know yeah, yeah. The, the, the so that's the first reason the reason i think xbox haven't done it is because of just stock you know what why mm-hmm. why ship a new six nanometer i'm not saying there isn't one out there maybe they've got some out somewhere to get some cost back but they've probably got quite a lot of backlog i mean figures show that i think the series s are sold more than the series x generally i think it's a better it, it kind of hit their market in terms of people just buying into that game pass model. So I think, or at least it was 50, 50 at worst. So mm-hmm. I think there's, there's probably better um, margins on the series S in my opinion. Uh, they're probably getting more out of the same die. So therefore they can squeeze more out of those units and they're picking that and shipping that instead rather than series X where they've got a lot of backlog stock. So I think it makes more sense for them to try and push something that's selling better and they've got a lot of subscription models, which although I'm not a big fan of, they do, I think they do sell quite a few using that, you know, get the console, pay £20 a month for two years or whatever, and then you own it at the end, whatever. I think a lot of Series S go that way. So I think that's probably what they've done, and they are probably just not shipped to 6 nanometer because, you know, we've got a warehouse full of Xboxes, so why make more? That said, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one out in the wild somewhere, there's, bit, there's ones already out that just haven't got into mass circulation yet because wholesalers are not going to buy them if they've got a backlog of stock. So it's kind of, you know, chicken and egg. Well, What's the point of me buying more Series X's when I've got a load over there? It's better for Xbox because they're going to get a better margin on it, but it's probably not better for the, for the reseller unless they're going to get a better margin on the purchase.
0: So I don't know where, where it sits. So that's what I think about. Why they've done it and how they, and you know, why one hasn't. Well, there was no big announcement, right, for the PS5 six nanometer die. They didn't even change what the outside of the case looks like, they just made it lighter, started using the six nanometer die, and it turns out people had already bought them and everyone just discovered it. Right? And they're like, oh, wait, it's already six nanometer. Sony didn't say anything. So I guess you're right. There's a chance they're already somewhere in a warehouse, six nanometer Xbox Series S's. But if you have pyramids of these things on Best Buy floors, (laughs) then they need to sell those before the six nanometer ones show up. And so far the ps5 keeps selling better so maybe they just got into circulation sooner
1: well uh, yeah i mean ps5 has been in low supply high demand for years since it's come out and i think this year is the first year where that's kind of resolved you know lo and behold they've gone six nanometer that's helped them hasn't it because everyone knows as you've reported multiple times the die um, requirements and certainly the demand is sky high so people just can't get what they need. So Sony have been affected like everybody else. So they've had to wait until they can get more out of the same die when they get their allocation. Six nanometer makes sense. That said though, what you said before, this is never this is not new. I mean, every console I've ever known, every piece of hardware will get reductions. Yeah. It will get and no one ever mentions it. It's PS3 had multiple die shrinks. In fact, I think it was the most die shrunk console they made, oh, yeah. and no one mentioned it. Just it, it'll never change the box. I mean, Jesus, the PS3 launched and had different versions in three months across different countries. They they got rid of the the Motion Engine hardware in it, the stock that was on the chip to try and emulate the PS2. They they cut other areas and put full software emulation, and none of that was announced. They just said you know 60 gig, 40 gig, 20 gig, 10 gig, whatever. So. All of that is quite standard. And this is always the case. You, you ship it, especially when it's a lost leader, you ship it at first and then you, you recoup your costs by, you know, guessing the market and making more money later on when the the, the the bomb costs reduce significantly. So you can make the same profit or more profit on the same price. So that, that's what they're doing with the PS5. And they've just been cleverer in reducing that down. So a lot of it is they can reduce the chip size, therefore, they get more out of it. They can they, therefore cut the, the cooling costs, that gets lowered. And copper's expensive. Um, I mean, metal's expensive generally at the moment. It's mad. So a lot Mm -hmm. of these things are just general standard business practices to keep you in the black and keep things down. That said, yeah, I've, I mean, everyone's heard about the discless PS5. That makes sense. I think that's the next thing. I don't think there's going to be a PS5 Pro. I've always said this. I've never thought there will be. There will be a slim, so to speak. And I think that will be what everyone thinks is the PS5 Pro. And that'll probably come with a newer, or at least some point get an even smaller, um, no shrink. But I think that Sony are just going to stick with PS five. There's going to be no cross generation stuff. And I think that's what they'll do going forward. I think Xbox Mm -hmm. could do anything that said launching a new SKU onto market marketing, naming, branding, everything. It costs a huge amount of money. I don't think Xbox would get the budget to launch a new piece of hardware now. So I don't think they would. I think they'll do the same thing, which is whatever we get, We'll cut the cost. We'll ship as many as we can, and I think they're doing it now. Um, if they're not on six nanometer now, I'll be amazed. But they're probably not selling that many through
0: to retail, and that's that's the point. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about because, like, I, I think what was going on a couple years ago, basically with uh, both of these companies, is it was a booming market. They couldn't keep the consoles in stock. There was some inflation already starting, and then so they're like well, maybe we find a way to sell this for more. That's why you do a pro console. And honestly, guys, a lot of it is it costs them 20% more to make the thing twice as the performance. So they can justify selling it for 600 or 700 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if I, they might both have different reasons for looking around now and going, this market doesn't want an expensive console, right? Because Microsoft's financials might dictate that launching some new SKU with new marketing that further, you know, splits apart development into different verticals of performance is not something they can justify financially a lot right now. Sony can justify anything if they'll make money off of it, but they might be deciding, yeah, maybe a PS5 Slim is cool, but or PS5 Pro would be cool, but I think this market wants cheaper products this year not more expensive, right? Yeah. Uh, Launching
1: a, a premium product in a recession is not good business sense Mm -hmm. just isn't so yeah Uh, stating the the obvious but stating it nonetheless yeah exactly yeah so you've hit me on the head i I just i just can't see either of them from a commercial perspective doing that doesn't make sense but absolutely they they will cut costs as much as they can in fact no 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 time now more than ever will they cut costs because that is the whole point cut the supply chain cut the manufacturing costs cut the bomb costs wherever you can and as you said quite rightly earlier on in the podcast marketing is always well, not always, but most of the time can be far more expensive than its return, especially when you go mad. And I think Xbox mm-hmm. have done that far too often. And I think Sony learned themselves when they've gone a bit mad and they've, they've, they've called all that in. And it doesn't seem to have affected their sales
0: in any way. So they're kind of proving their sales right at this point. Well, so in 25 writes and it says, hey, Tom and ex Gamer, am I the only one that thinks making a pro console this gen makes too much sense to not do it? The PS5 is already 6 nanometer, and I'm sure the Xbox Series X will be soon, too. Why not use RDNA 3 and Navi 32, uh, uh, which is supposed to be on 6 nanometer? Well, Navi 33 is not 32, but the point is, he goes on to list all of these new features, graphics card architectures, dyes coming out, and with all of these things coming out, I think it can look like it's obvious that this would be easy to design um, and make, but... I, I don't know. I mean, all of those things cost money. The the one thing I would say though is do you not think though it would be really easy to do a half-assed pro if I may call it that? <laughs> like, look, I they don't even need to design a new die. It's already on 6 nanometer. Couldn't they just take that and give it uh, actually from what I'm hearing recently, like the the RAM speed used uh for the launch of the PS5 um they don't even really make it anymore they're just down clocking faster gddr6 because that's just where the market's at ram gets faster they mass produce it the cheapest sticks are often faster than what the older cheapest sticks used to be um and so like doesn't it just make sense to maybe use gdr6 chips that are 50 percent faster and just clock it a little faster and all games come with variable frame rate modes now if it boosted performance like a flat 20 percent in all of those modes might it not make sense to do some kind of PS5 Pro? Not something like last gen where it was like twice the performance or with the Xbox One X it was like I don't even know, like four times the performance of the Xbox One. Um, doesn't it seem silly though to not do something like that? Maybe like some basic, bare minimum hey, here's the new discless PS4. It's $400 uh, and it's slim and it's half the size. Here's the new PS5 Pro. It's 500 or 550 It's only like 20 to 40 percent better but it is all of the games that used to use dynamic resolution they now more likely to stay at 4k like don't you think that would make sense though still it, it would make sense for xbox it wouldn't make sense for sony that sony are not going
1: to try not, that they they tried very hard to not fragment their market with the pro to, to in like i said before in, in my opinion to the detriment of the pro they hamstrung the RAM. They hamstrung the bandwidth more than the pixel fill rate. So they did what they could to just push 4K. Makes sense. There's no need for that now. PS5, if you think about what the PS5 does, it delivers 4K. It will deliver 8K, but, you know, that it's just marketing tags. It will do 120 FPS. It will do VRR. Um, again, they did all those things because they didn't follow the hardware design and they put VRR in later, they put 1440p in later because they don't follow the standards, they have a man in the middle and they handled that same as a PS4. So I don't think they would because there's no benefit to them and only a detriment to them. And if you've got to look at these things not from, from you, a gamer perspective and a, and a hardcore, and just, I'm not saying you as in you, Tom, I mean generally yeah, the market, as in... You're the you have got a console, you're shipping a console to thousands of developers. If you create more variability for them, they've then got more potential work to test. So if you've got a pro and a standard, irrespective of how you deem it, if you tell the audience you've got a pro and a standard, you've then got some additional QA and management to do mm-hmm. with that piece of hardware, however small it may be. But you think about the boost mode. Sony went over and above to be very careful with the boost mode on the pro because what they don't want is to disdain the audience one of the things that everyone's used to is good quality fast response and performance out of their consoles and um, not always the, the ps3 was terrible as we know and they learned from that's that whole adage you, know, you can always take away you can never give back so um you, you can't sorry the way around you can, you can never you, you can always take away um from a hard from a piece of hardware but you can't give it back to the developer so if you say I'm going to take 250 meg away from you. That's it. It's gone forever. You can never give it back. So, if they, it's far easier for Sony to say, do you know what? We've got all this additional margin. As you said, GDDR6, we'll use that. We'll downclock it. We've got a faster chip. We can now run the six nanometer with all our cores enabled and at th- twice. You know, let's say it can run at three gigahertz. What's the point? Just stop lock it down to the old version and run it with that extra capacity. And anything we save, we'll save in the manufacturing costs and reduce the, the cooling and the power because it's running far more efficient on a lower yield mm. because it doesn't so you're work. saying so underclock the ram chips and now yeah. we have a cheaper heat sink yeah that all of that makes far more sense now for, for so for sony it's a lose-lose if you ship a product that says this is a pro you're gonna get a small percentage but you'll get a percentage of people specifically people that bought now so look at it from their point of view i couldn't buy a ps5 and all of a sudden i'll buy a ps5 at the beginning of 2023 when they're in stock and six months later you release a pro version for the same price you pigs i hate you i'm leaving sony all of that can create a lot of whirlwind on the online market space so that that wouldn't help sony's brand it would just hinder it so there's no there's no real win for them to do that but then on top of that if they really go all out and make it you know meaningfully different so let's say it's 10 different maybe even 15 percent no one's really going to notice that I, I will in a review and people will blow up those issues, but you know, that, that isn't going to become a known factor. Whereas for Xbox, it could, because that would make more sense. So there is potential that they might, Xbox could, you know, have a better chip and go, do you know what? We're going to announce it. We're not going to change anything. We're just going to announce the fact that from now on, we're going to call it the Xbox pro or whatever. Uh, and this one will target 120 FPS more accurately, will target 4k more accurately and they'll do it. So, you, you, your point is absolutely bang on it absolutely could be done that's what that's how the pro and, and everything else came about as you say it's a it's a viable solution i just don't think it's one that sony will take and i would have said xbox would have done it two years ago but where they are now i don't think they will because all of that does take money but i think if anyone would do it xbox would that's what i do think um, but i wouldn't hold my breath for a pro over these consoles i think that's not going to happen
0: well, I, I, it's certainly not happening sooner rather than later. I mean, any pro consoles that are coming out, well, especially from Sony, I don't you know, that's like over a year away then. And any design that they commissioned that they put any thought into with people at AMD, the second they say go, there's like a year to two years between when you say go and when it's produced like mm. out. Like so I would say at a minimum, if they're coming out this is a recession year and i think they're very unlikely to say go this year and so if it did it would be like a late 2024 thing at most the one interesting thing though is that i do hear well there's like no playstation 5 pro on the horizon for this year to, to the people i talk to at least let's put it that way you know at least for this year maybe next year that the xbox one kind of sounds like a maybe and that one sounds even easier to get a boost because they have that segmented memory. Mm. They could just give it 20 gigabytes of RAM, give it a unified memory pool and clock it faster with RAM that's also, they could, (laughs) if they did that, they could effectively, if they used faster RAM, 20 gigabytes of it and unsegmented it, that's almost doubling bandwidth right there. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is an argument for Xbox, even more so than PlayStation as well. Like, hey guys, there's like a three things we could do right now to make this thing Easily have better performance without having to put all this money into some fancy new RDNA 4 thing, right? Like, and that's why I wonder if Xbox would still do that. But it's also a matter of, yeah, but if they do that, how long is that going to take to come to market if they have all of the stock unsold yet? So, again, it's just interesting to see different factors for why these companies might not do it. You know what I mean?
1: I do. And and uh, I think that you've, the, again, the developer side is the one you can't forget. So, another skew. And especially if they go that far, will just create more demands on the developer. They've already got a series at S and Xbox One. And even though it's very similar and it's in the same XDK and all that other good stuff, there is definitely a cost that people forget about just the Q&A factor. You've got somebody mm-hmm. to test two versions. You've got to optimize, as you said, you got to optimize for the memory. You got to optimize for the CPU, the, the 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 GPU itself. There's a lot of differences. There's enough difference in those two consoles for it to not be a insignificant amount of work. Certainly not, you know, rewriting the whole game. But there's a le- there's a lot of work there. If they ship another console, that's three. So there's there's th- there's that part. In my view, what I, what I could see them doing is I could see them saying, Do you know what, we've got all this cost, everything reduced, let's reduce the price of the Series X spec, stop selling the Series S and just merge it into one that's actually, you know, somewhere in between and actually mm-hmm. lower our price and give ourselves some revenue, but also... Really take the price cut. So years and years ago, consoles used to get price cuts. So, like the Saturn mm-hmm. and the PS One were a good example of it. Um, and Atari Jaguar, they couldn't give them away. So, all of those kind of things happen. Microsoft could do that, and they they uh, that would work. I mean, price cuts always work, especially in a recession. It all of a sudden, mm-hmm. if you've got a console that is two hundred ninety nine pound, but actually performs the same as a Series X and close to a PS Five, that might shift the needle. So I, I can see Xbox doing that more than cr- releasing a pro version because they've proven they've almost shot themselves in the foot with their own mouth. They bragged about the hardware specs and the teraflops and everything else that start this generation, and you and I were talking about the fact it's not relevant, and I've said it on my channel before they even launched, and that's come true. You know, there's games out mm-hmm. now. There's always going to be, you know, peaks and troughs, and I said that. That will all happen. Certain engines will dictate. So I think Microsoft now know they can't do that again. It, it, it will almost be quite quickly shot down, even by their own supported fan base, because they go, well, hang on a minute, your Series X isn't doing it, so why is this going to do it? So,
0: I think... The yeah, and I, I keep- feel like every time I have you on, just to, like, prepare myself for the people to attack me for saying that, you know, I go and look <laughs> at Digital Foundry and you, and I'm like, what's the last comparisons? Hogwarts, The Witcher 3, this, this, this. And I did that. Xbox is not outperforming the PS5, guys. It is not. And Harry Potter, Sony wins, in The Witcher... I think in the cities, which your three update in the cities, the PS five wins outside the Xbox wins. They're the same. Like, you know, it, it do, uh, every game I've recently checked. Besides, I think, yeah. Besides maybe a plague tale Requiem. It's, mm. you know, it's like, basically if I were to break it down, I went over like 10 games and like, uh, I don't know, I'd say like five of them, PlayStation wins or four of them, PlayStation wins. Uh, three of them Xbox wins; the rest are ties. Yeah. at best you would say they perform the same. So this argument that the Series X is stronger, it, it, it isn't. It keeps coming out in comparisons that it's not.
1: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Go on. I just yeah. had to
0: say that, though. There will be links in the description if you want to argue <laughs> with me, guys. <laughs> no, no. I, I have I, I, to do this every time because the fanboys are insane. But yeah, yeah. well, uh, p- people, people,
1: you know, they, they like they don't like when people say what they perceive as bad things about the hardware, but I, I've, I've got, I'm this, it's not, it's irrelevant to, to me. It's obviously relevant to you and, and anyone who's playing it. You just play the game. So it is what it is on the hardware It is And the PS five and series X are not meaningfully different. There are instances where one can outperform the other by, by a margin. But the biggest difference you see more often than not is the fact that, I mean, everyone goes, on about loading, but there's definitely issues in, t- in some titles in terms of the development, the API's, play to is a good one which which certainly had some specific issues but certain engines just you know they're they're well multi-threaded in terms of using all of the, the cores in the gpu so when they jump out work across all of those threads they're just getting more out of them because the, the work is actually quite well threaded across m- more cores in the gpu whereas some titles just like you know bandwidth and it's easier to make a game that runs faster when everything's faster. So that, that's, that, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's uh, ironically, it's easier to optimise a faster GPU than it is to optimise a wider GPU, you know, for want of a better description. So, as you say, the, there's no difference in them at all. Um, PS5, Series X are arguably performing exactly the same. In fact, it's probably the smallest generation. Again, it happens every time yeah, the is. mission returns. It's so small now that you really are there's, – there's, there's edge cases. There's some titles where there's some weird – because Kalisto Protocol didn't have um, – direct and i covered it and said it was to do with DirectX. there's no ray tracing in there because they were used to the ps5 api and everyone gave me mm. some noise on that and it turns out the developer totally with me on twitter he, he tweeted my um, thread and um said great to see the review here where he picked up some of the internal development tools and that's exactly what i said which is people don't understand apis can be a pain in the ass and if you're doing something as complex as ray tracing it, you know if you're going from ps5's api to 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 xbox direct text it's very different so there's there's a big sizable shift there that you've got to, you're not changing your core source code you're changing how you speak to the api and that's a lot of work and then you get all these edge case issues and bugs and all that kind of good stuff that takes all the time to ship so what's the point in shipping a broken game which which had problems on pc at the same time which reinforces that because it's the same api mm-hmm. they just said you know what we'll take it out and we'll ship it when we're ready and it took a little bit longer. That's the reality of it. So sometimes people talk about performance differences in hardware, and it's actually nothing to do with the hardware. It's software. Uh, software is still a big part of these developments. So it's it's really, they're as close as they've ever been, and I don't see a big difference in them. Um, but I'll be, I'll be amazed if, if anyone gets a pro version out. But if anyone will, it'll be Xbox, I think. But I, I think it's more likely they'll just take a cost cut uh, and c- cut the cost of the hardware, if they can, with all of the other benefits they've got, as you've articulated.
0: Mhm. All right, so, well, I've still got you. If you have the time, I do want to ask a few Nintendo Switch questions. Ooh. Um, CRCV writes in and says, "Do you think the new Nintendo console will arrive this year or do you think that despite a slowdown of sales they will try to delay it to next year?" So, and, and I had a kind of a leak I it was basically honestly, if I'm being like in mid 2021 or late summer 2021, I think I I would summarize a video I did as trying to shift through all of the noise on lovelace programmer like people who have worked with nvidia lovelace and people who have worked on stuff related to the next nintendo console and one of the conclusions i came to both through public information like the fact that they're not producing the soc the switch uses anymore and if you look at the stockpiles they had of like 30 million i'm like i would estimate this will run out of stock at the end of 2023 which means they probably need to have a new Switch around 2023, 2024. And and I heard that the plan did it was 2023, 2024 at the latest. Still not out. Some people thought it would be spring. I somewhat doubt that now, though. You never know. But like, when do you think a Switch 2 is coming? And I, let's start there. I don't know what you think even about that question. I think March 2024. March, so not this spring next spring yeah I, I think
1: their target will be the end of the quarter because it's just it's just the, the new the new thing they, they, they don't need christmas but they, they might try for it but it doesn't really matter anymore i think consoles have moved mm-hmm. beyond needing to be then um so i think buying them the time and going at the right at the end of the financial year works for them so i, I think it, it'll be announced this year released next march that's what i think
0: okay now nicholas to Ter- uh, terroir writes in and says hello for the switch do you think nintendo will prioritize battery life or performance so the product can be sold for longer the steam deck is very powerful but man the battery life and size does not make it easy to use or transport um yeah i mean like where do you think they're gonna go with this thing They'll prioritize battery life. They always have done. They, they they know their market,
1: and and the switch is so popular, which I I didn't see it coming. I, I was wrong. I, I'll call mm-hmm. that out straight away. When it, before it launched, I said they are literally going to sell you your nostalgia. And how wrong I was that everyone wanted to buy it because that's what they did. They sold you loads of stuff that you grew up playing. Not me personally because I was a little bit older than than that marketplace, but and being UK based, but I certainly played um some of that N64 I did I did play some of the N64 because I was getting back into gaming then after my first kid but that kind of market was a surprise to me and uh, but they've always done the same thing apart from the GameCube um they've always targeted function and delivery and form over over performance so I think this will be a, another good balance of a machine I think they'll prioritize battery life They'll prioritize performance by using. Um, I think we spoke about it before. I definitely spoke about it on another podcast mm-hmm. as well. About DLSS will be in there. It's, it's almost a given.
0: I've heard that that it's yeah key, right? Yeah, key to the. uh it, it's a key feature that every game will use to try to get more performance out of less. Yeah, and I, I think it, DLSS is is good. Let's be honest; it's a good solution. Um, I think so. Not when it came out, but it's very
1: good now. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's got a lot. Yeah, when it came out, it was it was rubbish. Everyone was saying it was great at the time, and I was like, "Am I blind? No, I'm not. It's not. It's not great. It's really bad. But now it's really good. And and like you know, things improve. So I think that'll be a good solution. They have to do it because everyone's got a 4K TV now. I know there is 1080P screens out, but the market generally is at 4K. So they'll use that to get to 4K, and that'll be a good solution. That means that instantly gives them a lot of performance back. It means that they can also rely on the fact that they can. Then, even if they need to utilize that in the handheld mode, because you're not really going to notice it when the screen is not that big, even from a lower resolution. So, that can also gain more performance back. And the battery life, I think, will be a Almost core development pillar for them. I don't think they'll will let that go. If anything, I think they'll go for a longer battery life if they can, and, and they'll promote that as a sales tactic. You know, get get four more hours out of the new Switch with twice the performance and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that'll be a good a good area. I do think, and I've said this on another, on my own channel a while ago, that I think that, that they're, they're going to look at integrating VR. I think that's a perfectly viable yeah. option for them. Whether they do a very very cheap helmet, you know, remember the the robo they did with the, with a the cardboard VR helmet. They could easily ship this with a VR mode where you drop it into Mm. a helmet and then walk around with it on your head.
0: Yeah, and it's already wireless, so that could be a thing that they set up. There you go. And, Mm. uh, you know, it doesn't need to be the highest quality, but when has it ever been with Nintendo? And they, they could at least, though, get to a point where they don't aim to beat the Quest 2's performance. But they maybe aim to get close to how it looks at like 60 or 90 hertz for a half the price. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be an interesting
1: move there. Yeah. yeah and, and let's be honest, they have such a good opportunity here to to penetrate VR into a market that, that probably mm. w- would be unheard of at this point. Because, I mean, the Switch has done unbelievably well. But if you've got the the opportunity to just buy a cheap... Let's say it's a £50 plastic headset with a pair of cheap earphones. It's not going to be the best. That's not what they're going for. They never will. But if you can do that and then jump into VR titles, you've got all of these Quest 2 games that will be, one, easily portable because it will be ARM. So Mm -hmm. it's the same core um, architecture for delivery very easy to port them from quest 2 yeah, yeah. exactly yeah and it'll be very easy to get them running on on dlss uh, tegra hardware in terms of performance and power that the api from nvidia it not gonna be in question the, the sdk from nintendo will be top of the tree so they've got a very big market so i think what they'll do in terms of hardware is they'll go with whatever nintendo give them they won't really optimize it or at least tweak it too much because that's not what they do whatever nvidia gives them yeah yeah exactly they'll get a good deal on it and they'll get a great deal on it because of what the nvidia have got out of the mm. switch deal at the moment and they'll ship a product that does everything and i think it will be it has the potential to be as big if not bigger than the original switch because the one key factor that which i think though they might break their own rule on here for you know making it nice and simple i'm not saying they will because it's nintendo and they constantly like to keep selling you their software over and over again um is they could make it back compatible with the Switch. If they did that, I think that could be... The, you mean the, the the VR aspect of it? Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the actual new um Switch could literally play your old Switch games as well. Well, don't you think it has to, though? No. Doesn't it ha- I, mean, no, uh, really? else, I mean... Anyone else, yes, but not
0: Nintendo. No, I don't think they have to, no. Hmm. They are, it should be easy to though with how weak the switch is, right? Or are you not expecting the specs of the new device to be? Because I think it's almost, you know, it'd be pretty hard for the new specs to not be about ten times better. No, right? it, I mean it's not a hardware problem. It's a it's a software problem, commercial. So
1: I, whether Nintendo ship open free backwards compatibility in it is up to Nintendo. They could do it absolutely. Mm-hmm. Will they do it? That's what I'm not so sure of. Mm -hmm. because let's be honest, you can play all your online titles now with Switch, but it's all online. They're getting rid of, you know, they're they're shutting down the Wii U stores. That's all gone. So all of a sudden you've got these backwards compatibility options that you used to have and you paid for are now gone. That's what Nintendo do because their IP is worth so much. That's why they're they're such a good company, because in terms of of profit, because they keep their IP at high quality, they treat it with love and respect, and they don't let it go out of, of use. It's constantly a commercial viable product they always keep it viable even if it's really old and NES titles they'll do it so that's my only thing is looking at this i always try and look things in both avenues in terms of me as a hardware tech geek gamer and then me as a business person that works in that environment and i've you know I've been around long enough to know that what you think will happen isn't always the case and nintendo in my opinion they don't do things just because it's the right thing to do they do it combinations thereof they think outside the box they do some they've some great products but fundamentally they're a business that makes money and that's first and Mm -hmm. foremost and i think that's what they do so it will be it it could be backwards compatible but it could also be backwards compatible in an online
0: subscription service where you pay for it per month you know that that's what i'd be remiss if i didn't ask though what specs do you think we're looking at here because i think i look at what's out and i think it's um i think it's going to be obvious nintendo is going to use probably some tweaked version of like the nvidia orange chip probably i mean maybe the one that comes after that because there always were some people saying it might use a lovelace ish integrated gpu like like what level of performance do you think they're going to target because what they did last gen man it it really is having trouble running even basic games now i have to say
1: well, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's over-delivered in terms of what 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 the teams have delivered and how well they've got it running. In certain titles, yeah. It's, it's some titles should never have been on it. Um,
0: no Man's Sky was a standout for me. I can't believe that they got that on there. Mad. Yeah. No Man's Sky is on there now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that, that. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm surprised. Absolutely mad. Yeah, and
1: and it's it's the whole thing. It's all that they, they cut back some of the cities and stuff, but um, generally, it's all there but in terms of hardware yeah I, I don't know the 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 there's the the new tegra chip the the, uh, the two two nine nine two three nine 239 something it is whatever I, I i think that's that's a real option as a, as the hardware they'll go with because a it's you could reuse a lot of the um, boards you've got before. The size is not a huge difference. The design and architecture is not a huge difference. You've got all of that functionality in terms of a, a core APU with a CPU in it, and it's even got more cores in it. I think it's um, twelve core that they could split mm-hmm. that up with the operating system, therefore making it more powerful. So there's there's definitely that. But I, I think in terms of overall performance, as in not taking DLSS into account, just you know delivery of performance, if this is pushing you know. M- 20% more than a PS4. I'd be amazed that that's the level I'm mm-hmm. looking for. But you think about
0: that PS4 in your hand with 12 hour battery life or whatever is just. Mad. So you think they'll aim to like basically beat the steam deck, which people, if they look it up the steam decks, I think teraflops are actually lower than mm. the PS4, but it's a better gaming architecture already. In A2, yeah. Better CPU. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, so you think they'll aim to be around like maybe better than the steam deck, maybe but more portable, and that's it. They're not going to aim for anything better than that. I, I don't think they will. I, I think because they're with
1: NVIDIA, they will instantly get the, the keys to the chest of DLSS and ray tracing. So mm-hmm. th- th- there's 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 definitely... The, but I just can't see Nintendo making a big deal about ray tracing. But what it will do, and this is right. where the Switch has really been their, their big-ticket item, They've this is the first time they've secured, other than when they, they secured it by force in Mafia style in the SNES, is when they literally got every single third-party manufacturer making games for the Switch. So the mm-hmm. fact that they'd have all that in their, their their closet would make a huge difference to a lot of developers. So they could port a lot of titles that couldn't run currently on the Steam Deck because, A, you can't run Ray Tracing without any updates to it unless you run Windows on the box itself to get DX, or you do some of the function of mess around, which is just out of the, out of the hands of most normal people. But on the Switch... You could end up seeing things like like Doom ray traced on the Switch running at 720p with the LSS. It's mad, but it'd sell people. People, us people have shown they'll buy Doom a million times. And later. as long
0: as they can have some light level of ray tracing, you've got that little bit of a wow factor that it's on a handheld, right? Exactly,
1: yeah. and that and that will sell. That and that will create stir. So I think that fundamentally, in terms of raw performance, yeah, like I say, a bit better than the than the Steam Deck would be my expectation. With the caveat that they will have all of the um, the keys to the the war chest that is Nvidia and their exceptionally good software and engineers skill set in terms of what they deliver for their for their software development and API. So I, that's what I expect them to deliver that kind of level. I expect a two teraflop machine at best. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair, I hate saying teraflops,
0: but that's probably a good summary. Yeah. Well, it at least gives you a point of reference to which GPU they're using from that generation. So yes. Um. All right. Well, all right. You mentioned it. I have one more question then. Tired Gaming Dad writes in and says, hello, Tom and Michael. What are your thoughts on where the Steam Deck will go in the future? Mainstream, sold in stores? Will they have a second generation? What will it do? And how and if Proton will change the industry or if the industry will just keep expecting the Valve Valve and its community to take care of the rough edges. I'm seeing more and more high-profile games launch with direct Steam Deck support, and I finally feel that I can enjoy a Linux-only computer with no name for Windows anymore. My computer is Linux-only right now. Thanks. Good man. Tired gaming dad. I think I've, I've definitely spoke to him before. Um,
1: in terms of the Steam Deck, they'll go with whatever they get a good deal on, in my opinion from amd um but i don't think they'll do it yet i think because again they've only just started to sell well so i think they'll potentially hold off another year um maybe a little bit longer so maybe 2024 ish um before they they push out another piece of hardware and i think they'll continue to work on improving their own development environment in terms of their, their SDK and asserting certain, their proton layer in late Linux. Cause I mean, I, I've, I've, I've used Linux for years. I, 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 I've always used Linux wherever I can, but, the reality is you can't really play games on Linux, but as you said, that the Steam Deck has changed all that. There's been so much movement in Wine, Proton, and everywhere else in terms of, you know, the Vulkan DK layer and everything else that makes the whole process much easier. You've got games that ship. The developer hasn't made a version for it, but it's running fine because of the, the work that, that Valve do internally to deliver it, or as, as he says, the community himself. So I'll be very interested um, to see... How I'm trying to phrase this properly. I'm not saying I know stuff, but I've, I've, I've spoken to people about certain things. I, I'm very interested to see that the strategic partners that valve makes over the next 12 to 18 months and where that goes, because I, I see valve as being having one eye on the prize. And right now steam is, is gaming on PC. I know it's been for years, but it is gaming on PC. And at, even after multiple attempts from Microsoft to mm-hmm. pay that away from them, it's not worked. And I think, yeah, the, This might be the first time that Valve see an opportunity to go do the way. That's all I'm trying to say.
0: I think there was this unexpected shrewd thing about Steam Deck where you go, well, why would I get a game on uh, Steam when I can get it for cheaper on sale right now from Ubisoft Store or from EA.com? or Now it's called EA's launcher. It used to be called Origin. Thanks, EA, for making me switch launchers again um you know or uh from what the series of microsoft stores that have failed and been relaunched over and over on pc and i think it's you know you've you've seen some of them melt away you saw ea push all their battlefields on their own launcher now you can buy battlefield on steam again they've just given up and so is ubisoft to a lot to some extent mm. and i think then valve added this thing where it's like well you know if you buy something on steam it works on a steam deck right? And these other ones won't, you know, and that's that little, even if you don't own, own a Steam deck, you'll go, well, in the future, if I do, though, I can play it on a Steam deck. So why don't I spend the extra $5 and get it on Steam instead of some other online launcher, right? And so I do think this is an important thing for them to keep going. It's funny, too, because I... I leaked uh, Little Phoenix. There's a smaller version of AMD's Phoenix APU that I thought might be perfect for the Steam Deck, but now it's emerging, and I've said this too, that it seems like the graphics portion of it is a lot weaker than I initially thought it was. So I don't think that's ready. So I don't think they really have anything from AMD that would be cost-effective probably until next year, but you would agree they probably have, they're going to update it, but it's probably more like a, well, it's probably more like a 2025 thing, isn't it? The Steam Deck 2. Potentially, yeah. I, I think 2024, 2025 is, is
1: its target base. I, I, I don't think they'll go to stores, but I think they'll sell outside of their own. So what I mean by that, I think I think they'll potentially go Amazon, places like that, or, or maybe even <laughs> elsewhere. I think that's definitely an option for them. They might even um, you know, go down the route of putting the Steam Deck as a, as a, a partnered manufactured um, and you know getting other people to make steam decks that aren't manufactured by them and they just ship out the, the the ip and let them other people make it i think that's also an option as a brand I think that's mm-hmm. one they could go um and you end up getting different versions of a Steam Deck so where they've got three versions you now Do mean same
0: APU but you can design the chassis and sell it yourself or y- Yeah well that, that
1: yeah or they they go for one that's actually got different specs of APUs people want to choose it if there's that because realistically there's there's no limitation on this to make multiple versions if they wanted to because it, it it is a PC in your hand so to speak um I'm not saying they will do it but it's it's a it's a more viable option because they currently sell three versions which really only have a difference in in ssd they could expand on that by like you say having one apu and then having multiple specs of hardware that you pick and choose from or having other manufacturers build ones that have a standard of pro model and an extreme model or whatever which has got slightly more in it with a better docking station and you know other functionality that might do i think that's where they might go but as you said it all
0: hangs on whether or not amd have got the hardware for them that's their biggest problem Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they, they do have the hardware for it right now, but it's expensive. I don't think they're going to use full Phoenix, which would be like double the performance of the Steam Deck or something. I think they'd they they they'd want a cheaper version of that. So it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But you, in other words, so what is your eye on the prize then? What for them do you think is their ultimate goal?
1: Uh, I think it's to kill off any competition in that market. They really want it because PC gaming, as we know it, might end up going away, as, as we've seen over the years. So if you think about when PC gaming started, it, it went from from the desktop era with IBM kicking it all off. And you, at that point, you had, in the UK at least, you had your microcomputers. So it, PC wasn't big here. It, microcomputers were. So like Commodore 64, your Spectrums, then your Amigas, your STs, whatever. And then PC gaming took over. And then it, it went for a point into laptops. And then it went to tablets. And then kind of... Now it's all servers and cloud. So PC gaming and Windows and all that isn't as big as it used to be. It isn't there, but Steam is. Steam still is this huge behemoth of a beast that that sells on PCs. But if mm. if PCs shrink, Steam shrinks because there's less people buying PCs. So Steam now has a vested interest to create its own platform, so I think that's what Steam Deck is. Make
0: sure there's a low cost option if Nvidia won't give us it. In other words, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if
1: you know, if if I can't sell on something that somebody else is making, I'll make my own. And they've they've they tried it already with the the Steam. What were they called? Oh. Steam boxes, Steam yeah, machines. Yeah, right? yeah, them, yeah. And that failed. The Steam Deck is just the second run of the same idea, so it's just better implemented. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what they've done. They've, they've latched on to an option that works, and I think that's what they'll invest in. That's their ticket item now is make the Steam Deck bigger, broader, and where Steam lives. Because because realistically, that's that's their their cash cow. Steam is where they make money. Selling hardware is largely a, a thankless task because Mm-hmm. no one really thanks for it and you don't make much money in it you know going back to graphic cards and stuff we mentioned earlier so all of that is is a big problem for them but sometimes it's a means to an end and i think that's what steam's
0: end is steam's end is to be sony in the pc space in my opinion be, be mm-hmm. playstation and then everyone chipped away at them but they kind of didn't do it well enough to really take any market share from them in a meaningful way and Yeah, having your own platform is almost just like insurance, right? That in the future, someone can't take it away. And they've finally succeeded to a decent degree in doing that, I suppose. Yeah, well, Um, 2
1: million Steam Deck sold now or something.
0: So pretty good. Well, yeah, as many as they can make. That's the thing is uh, in terms of who's competing for capacity at TSMC. I think they're pretty low down the list. And so like selling 2 million is incredible that they've even accomplished that when you consider the size of the company.
1: I oh, know, and I love it. I love my Steam Deck. I mean, they've just released a beta where you can actually swap games now between your PC and your Steam Deck. That is that is life changing for me because now I don't need to download it on my Steam Deck. I can just copy it from my PC.
0: Hmm. I love that. All right, well, that's the uh, that's all of the subjects roughly that I wanted to get to. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? No, I'm I'm good. I think it's time for me to hit the sack. It's very late here. I was gonna say it's very late where you are as usual you gave us a ton of your time um right before you went to bed so thank you so much for that and a reminder that this is you know dropping like when psvr2 comes out in the uk and that you will have a ton of coverage for that so go to and the link will be in the description please people go to NXT Gamers youtube channel and subscribe to see that ongoing coverage um as well and i mean thank you to coming to speak with us you know before it was out and Giving us your expertise, there's some. I think there's some really fascinating, fascinating stuff here on a lot of stuff I didn't expect to talk about. No, good. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Tom, for having me on. I always like talking to you. It's great. And uh, thank your audience for listening to me waffle on for a bit. Thanks all. Appreciate it. And I do always, always appreciate when you guys listen to me and anyone else waffle on on this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Broken Silicon on a podcast app. Give us a review. Subscribe to Moore's Law on YouTube. Ring the bell button. From what I've seen in recent statistics, seventy five percent of the viewers aren't subscribed. Please double check that you're subscribed if you're listening to this, and ring the bell button. And then you support us on Patreon. That's how you ask us questions as well. There's so much exclusive content for you as well there. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks everybody for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother Dan. Audio editing by Gerard Cortez. Renders being done by the industrial designer Jean Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Karyno Sugata as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the About/Support page. In the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Cary No Sugata as well, you can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, PO Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible every month and really every day depending on who you're talking about me gerard dan and john philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out don't get us wrong we love our sponsors but we love directly working for you our fans much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guest questions, and of course, access to the Morris Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon. The ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z Dead podcasts. In addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts, depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And Hey, if you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit and give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Mohan Makwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Jeremy, Jan Raniel, Daniel Hyde, Shredbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Josh Law, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wachick, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Joshua L. Herrera, Valco Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Phantom G. Spantham, Jonathan, Lord Starstrom, General Chips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Hacker, Dominique Cock, Jake 223, Jake Martin, Cameron, Ben T C Z, Hardforeroom.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Basser, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Christopher A. Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stephen Hart, David Sebastian, Meat and Pork, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jascalia, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanny, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck and Sammy Malas, Greg, AWS Danny, Patrick Grow, Angel Chief, Brett Summers, Milton, Stephen Dick, Tommy, John Bucha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, AC, James Anderson, Marshall Pierce, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS, Boyo8, Albuma, Norithio, Matthew Linovazo, Stefan, Cole Addict, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Keith Moore, The Grid, Michelle Pell, 31337 Antics, Joseph Kelly, Ruth Taurus, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jim Ferriera, RB Racer, Keith Moore, Akita, Abdul Kadar, Precision, DNA Tech, Radiant Technologies Group, Je- Jean O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Regineed Ari, slush Tik Adam, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, MMH, sink Mean, Dean, Cal, Andre Jacques, Gaiman, since Reagan, Jeff Sadler, Jordan Simkovic, loophole 35, Winstar, William Welpley, James I Raider, Corey Leonard, Nelima John Shin, Justin Bussel, Kelvin, Austin Hagerty, Roger Davies, Shea and Leaked, Corey Chappelle, Evan Diggle C2, John Iverson, Michael Aaron, the Eternal Dreamers, Jansen and Gima, Tim Sagung, Derek Lebian, and of course thank you to Zahara for the music.